It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back, Rothman and Ice. On a rando twos. We are presented by your local Pella Window and Door Showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, CB in his saddle. Boys, how we feeling? Feeling great. Good. Feeling really great. Good to see you. No, we've been kind of hit or miss last couple of days with vacation time and getting all that in before you gotta all the jam, good stuff you arrives. Jam it in. No doubt. Got to be jammed in the summer. And boy, do we have some good stuff kicking off, which I know we'll get to. But it's good to see you, brother. Nice J. Lou and I. Too. Held it down yesterday, CB in here as well, kicking off the week, and uh, it's been a big week, been a big weekend, Yeah, into a big kind of Monday and Tuesday here, a lot of fun stuff happening. Yeah, we will do a little bit of a recap on the NHL draft, because you know I've been dying to get in on that, <laughs> um, and then I just saw, I don't know if CB saw this, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to the Hawks, yeah. that's if he doesn't retire, mm. we'll see. This sal- These salary dumps... I don't know how problematic they are. I mean, they, there wasn't even a bag of pucks that went back to Vegas. This is a pure salary dump on a Vezina dude, yeah. and he may just say, forget about it. Forget we'll about it. And and it would benefit the Jackets for him to say, forget about it, because <laughs> yes, we need yes. them to finish as poorly as possible. Right. Uh, we'll get into all that. I will say this before we get into the CBJ stuff in a little bit, yeah. that Yarmo with the Seth Jones thing, they were, they had, you know, the old phrase, play the hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. The Jackets were dealt like, I don't know, a two of hearts and like a six of clubs. That's what they were dealt. And they had to somehow churn that thing into a win. And I do believe they did. That that was a crap sandwich that they had to eat there. And they turned it into a delectable Man. meal. So when you turn one player into four like that and the skill they're going to do, you know, having this rebuild, mm-hmm. I, Listen, patience is going to be the operative word. I don't know if people are prepared prepared for that. Maybe they are in their minds, yeah. but not emotionally. Are they prepared to be patient? Mm-hmm. Because that's where the jackets are right now. But that's when you got served up with Seth served up, and you had to eat that and find a way to regurgitate that into something edible, and they did. I'm glad that you brought up patience, hinting at that, because, you know, when J. Lou and I were chopping it up about this yesterday coming off the weekend, that was just crazy for our Blue Jackets, which is so much action happening. I touched on, I said, all I would like me personally next couple of years is just to see positive progressions in the right direction. Then we get some of these young faces coming in to the fold and really contributing with what they'll be able to do with their skill set. That's all I'm looking for. So I'm in that mindset right now, but I think you're right. When it comes to fans and riding the waves of a season and then maybe more importantly for us, maybe riding out some struggles every now and then within here in the near future, that's tough to handle as a fan. I get that, but overall, uh, the feeling that I walked away with coming off the weekend for our Jackets was it was good vibes for me, man. It was really good vibes with what they were able to accomplish with all the trades and what they were able to do in the draft. And we'll get into that at 1233 yep. as well with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic who covers the NHL draft. We'll get his take on what they were able to do. But overall for me, J. Lou asked yeah. for a B-plus uh, grade for me, and I hit it with a B-plus. No, that's how I felt about the weekend. They're in the A range for me with everything they had to do. That's that's They're an A. Uh, and I and I I'm not being uh, hyperbolic by saying that. Now, uh, watching Aaron Rodgers saunter back into camp, love it. Pseudo man bun, flip flops, some uh, glasses out of Back to the Future, 
two, oh, and it it's the same look that a lot of us had when they said, "Hey, you got to go back to work. Mm. Hey, you can't work from home anymore. Yeah. Probably about ten pounds heavier." Like, but you're right. I'm looking. I'm when I saw Aaron Rodgers walk in now. As a Viking fan, I obviously hate it. As an mm. NFL fan, it's great. Yeah. It's great that that man, I, it's a little quieter dude, today. Dude, it would have been CD. a lot better. It's a little softer today. Yeah, it would have been a lot. <laughs> exactly. It's like a muffler. Yeah. Put a muffler on that. Uh, the fact that he had to quote go back to work. Mm. The boss won. The leverage wins. They called his bluff. I know we'll get into what they're pseudo giving him and somewhat trying to come to an agreement here, but really when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, this man wanted traded. He wanted out. He talked about the culture and the people and lack of what he was getting there. Didn't want to play there anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I, I applauded him for not saying it all out loud because what I told you last Thursday or Wednesday, that this walk... The green mile is what I'm calling it now. Aaron Rodgers had to walk the green mile. Yeah. And the fact that he did is the reason that he didn't go all in on the, I don't want to play there anymore. Because this day he knew could come in his own mind. Yeah. And he walked back in today. It's unbelievable to see this happening. You and I have been talking about this for months now. Since day one of the draft, when Shefty dropped this bomb on us, it was crazy. And I could not believe it when Shefty was going through the details and expressing how frustrated Aaron Rodgers was. It's been a wild ride. But if you're a Packers fan, you're absolutely loving seeing him walk in that building today. And I think I may have found the theme song for everybody up there in Green Bay for one, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back. You know you like he that. loves it. They love this it. This is a new version of Welcome Back, Cotter. Welcome back. That's where we're at. It's all good vibes, I think, today. It has to be all good vibes. But I will say this. They yeah, are. we tease him a lot because we got him on the spot. I had to throw some old school mace there. Well, if you really want to go old school, go all the way back to Welcome Back, Cotter, because I think that's Well, for wrong. me, I said old school because I asked CB, do you have any idea what the song is? I just put in the system. He, he said he had no idea. Which made me, but his limp. Which made me feel old. But I will say this. With all this unfolding, with him being back in the building, all this that's does good. for me is that it puts the drama on pause. That's all this is. Because this is still going to be a constant for the entire year. This is going to be a conversation of, well, what's next? And I know the conversation today has kind of gone to, well, who won this situation? To me, regardless of the end result, throughout the process of all of this, Aaron Rodgers has them in handcuffs, I think, this season. Because if they want to really work this out with Aaron Rodgers, to me, Brian Gutekinds, Mark Murphy, everyone involved up there in their front office there, they're going to be walking on eggshells if they're in the mindset of we want to bring him back because you have to keep him as happy as possible for the entire year now that this this contract has be, uh, been restructured with what Shefty reported chopping off that third year and having him under contract for this year and next year. And we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But to me, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got a lot of what you wanted. The right now, he didn't get, which is what you're saying is, hey, he didn't get traded right now. But to me, without all the finite details of this new deal, I think Aaron Rodgers kind of has them in a tough spot still. And I still think he holds a nice amount of leverage moving forward. 
Maybe. It sounds like it sounds like that's what's going to happen. The Packers think one more year of Rodgers and then trade him, so they bargained. You know what's interesting, Maddie? My initial thought of this was, okay, He's gonna. you'd rather have him than not, but if I can only have him for a year, I've got to make sure, if I'm the Packers, that he's worth as much to me a year from now that he is now. Right? Like, there's almost part of me that believes that if they don't win the Super Bowl, then you probably were better off trading him unless you're a year. What was he? 38? 38. He'll be be 39. So you're risking two things. You're risking injury. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And you're taking another year off his athletic life, right? He's going to go out there and play another year of NFL football. Sure. Now, I know a lot of people are saying that you'll still get a lot, and I know you will, but if you traded him now, he may be worth more than a year from now. Would you agree with that? Coming off the MVP, probably, but I'm not worried about him falling off a cliff. And I'm not not saying that's what you're hinting at, but I think if I'm Green Bay, uh, to me, you're still getting a ton for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the one part of this that will make them feel better is if they see along the way that Jordan Love is going to be their guy moving forward. And they don't have to worry about, hey, whoever we trade with or whatever happens at the end of the year, getting back a starting caliber quarterback in return because they may walk away with this, walk away from this thing with their starting quarterback in-house already. You flip Aaron Rodgers at the end of this year for whatever price they'll throw out there. I know Houston's throwing out a ton of stuff for Deshaun right now. But it may not be a worst-case scenario to not have Aaron Rodgers moving forward, which is crazy to say, mm-hmm. if at that point. Jordan Love is a dude, which how we have no know? idea. And how will you know with Rodgers coming back? Unless he gets hurt, or unless they're going to play him in some mop-up roles, Like, how are you really going to know? Right, and what I'm curious to see now when we get more details about this new contract is, is there going to be a no-trade clause in this thing? Is well, Rodgers going to have a say in, okay, we all can agree that this was the last run here, mm-hmm. And let's also agree on where I go next. And I can't wait to see if that's a thing. All right. So when we come back in the next segment, you'll hear what Shefty has to say about that. Because I, I do think there are some details, you're right, that we have, absolutely have to have. Because it would only make sense that he walked back in to Lambeau knowing that he's getting, like you said, what he wants a year from now. Because you, the necessary evil for him was to show up and bargain for an early out of the deal. That's the only reason he's back. Not the money. If the right. Packers didn't, if the Packers didn't move on this, he probably would have kept holding out. If year, if I guess there's a year that's being voided two years out, which is kind of funky. He can actually request a trade after this year, and then GB has to agree to work with him on that, but. The weird part for me is, what if the Packers decide that he wants to go somewhere that that the deal isn't good for us? That on two two fronts, one, if it's in the NFC, we probably don't want the comeback and haunt me stuff, and two, yeah. what if we're getting the best offer from a team that you don't want to play for? So this could still be. Rocky at the end, it could still be really weird. Yeah. So now they said they would include him in personnel matters a while ago. They never did. That's kind of where this fuse got lit. Now, will they? Maybe. Devontae Adams now willing to do the last dance. You saw the post. Let's do one more year together. It sounds like that's where we're going with this. But we'll talk a little more about what Shefty has to say about the details. Because I do think 
that's the biggest part of it because why would Aaron go back if there's and I know that the league doesn't want to put language in these contracts they want to make it uh, they want to keep the competitive playing field level that's when you and I went on that debate about you know just void him let him be a free agent mm-hmm. they, they don't want to do that so it it'll be very interesting when it when it comes down to what happens a year from now? And then a lot of Packer fans are thinking, well, maybe he'll, maybe we can mend this thing. Maybe he'll fall back in love with it's us. It's a possibility. It's, 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 possible, it's a possibility. But, but I think there are two things. One, if they don't have a good year, then it's headed for a divorce. And then if they have a great year and they actually win it all, then he'll, he'll ride out on a championship and they'll be happy to probably, del- you delivered us the championship, mm-hmm. we'll deliver you the sure. exit door. Sure. So I do think there there could be a win-win here. But at the end of the day, you have to believe the Packers got most of what they wanted, really. They got him to come back. It's just all dependent on the more information we get. With the, with the, I need those details to find out exactly what's going to happen at the end of this year. Because when Shefty throws out, can I, in his piece that he wrote out yesterday, mechanisms will be put in place to address Rogers' issues with the team. What does that mean that, I exactly? I would think that would be... Some enormous roster bonus that they would never pay, that they would be incentivized to trade him. That See, there would be to something me in there. that hit me with Rogers' issues with the team. That's like, hey, we're gonna have like parent-teacher conferences along the way, like to check yeah. in with what's going on here because it's not about the money. That's put to bed. Shefty reported yesterday they were trying to make him the highest-paid athlete in the world outside of Lionel Messi. So it's not about that. And when I saw that in Schefter's piece, that really popped to me because that is, hey, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm checking in with you guys. How are we doing? What are we thinking? How are we going to go about our plans in the future? I think that's going to be a big part of this. Uh, you'll hear from Shefty next on those details. And now that he's back, what do the Packers' odds go to to win the North? And what is he to win the MVP? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Rogers goes back to work. It's amazing. <laughs> All this. I said to you a month ago, this may be the best movie with a bad ending. Yeah. Now, we've got we haven't gotten to the end of the movie yet, though. But we kind of see where it's going. And now I guess we can all plan for it. The mystery was still intact on whether he would hold out and dig in. But I told you two weeks ago what tipped me off into leaning the other way. And you know, you and I have been in the camp of that he wouldn't go back. But I told you two weeks ago when he didn't take the perfect meal served up on a platter of the opt out, Mm. take a year off, go have the summer of Aaron again. Yeah. Go to the waterfalls, be with your new wife, yeah. keep training, don't nowhere and tear on your body, and get all your money. That was it, and he didn't want to take it. It was hard for me to get to, he would miss the whole year. Like, maybe summer training camp, who knows, maybe eats up a couple weeks of the regular season. But something we talked about, too, is like, they got a heck of a team, man. Like, they have a heck of a team, and is that something... To where he's looking at his career right now and saying, I can afford to sit out a year and not running back, run it back with the guys that I have 
in a team that we've gone to back-to-back NFC Championships game. Can I afford that? To me, that was always going to be hard for him to ignore Mm -hmm. because who knows what happens if you end up on Team X if we were to get a trade or whatever. But he's in such a good football situation right now, and they were so close the last two years that that's that's tough, man. That is tough to sit at home when you're a competitor and not go out there with your guys. I think you nailed it. I think that he... Is a, I think there is something to say for legacy. I think you only have so many years left yep. in the tank. And I know you and I both believe he could play very good football for the next five years. Yeah. I, I don't know about this level. Sure. But that's the opportunity that you just said about which team he had to go back to, I think was a big deal. And, but I also think he wanted Goody fired and the Packers were not about to say, that anyone runs our organization but us, even though we don't have a billionaire owner. Mm-hmm. And so Goody keeps his job. Aaron returns to his job. Now they're the favorite to win the North because they went from plus 140 yesterday morning now to minus 130. Mm-hmm. So now they're the favorite. Yep. Rodgers is now 10 to 1 to win the MVP, which I still think is pretty good odds. Like 10 to 1. I yeah. That's not bad on I like him. that. Especially when you're on kind of like this anger tour yeah, now again. This, this FU tour. Yeah. That's exactly oh what's going down. Yeah. And so the situation, well, the interesting th- thing about that is you're flipping off your own team, but you're still wanting to. My biggest <laughs> thing was always, I don't want to win any more games for you. It's not for the fans. It's yeah. just the green and gold. It's like any, think of yourself as just an ordinary job. And you feel like you've been undervalued at your job. Anyone listening right now, if you feel undervalued at your job, you know if you have leverage or not. Imagine having to go back to work. Why do you think that when contracts end and and mutual partings happen, it's there's a box, put your crap in it, we're going to escort mm-hmm. you out. Even if you say, I can be a good company man, yeah, I'll work here. They don't want you here. You're a poison pill. But this is sports. It's different. Mm-hmm. You're going in to suit up to play a sport. Yeah. And presumably, he wants to play well and compete. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't going to your job and just taking eight smoke breaks and getting paid <laughs> and leaving and say, you know what? I got over on them. Yeah. Aaron losing and playing bad football is not a strategy of his. I agree. So what's interesting to me, a couple things moving forward now is, the Brian Gutekinds thing. Does that get revisited at the end of this Maybe year? Maybe he leaves on his own who after knows? a year. Maybe, who knows? Right. Maybe Mark Murphy and everybody, hey, you have to go after a year. Maybe we re- revisit that. Another thing I can't wait to see happen at the end of the season is the money part of it. Because to me, right now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, it does make some sense to say no to a new contract because of what's going to happen next year with the cap and that going north of $200 million around the league. And also, you don't want to be behind the quarterbacks we talk so much about, Lamar, Baker, Josh Allen, because by then, those guys probably are going to have new deals. And with the cap space that these teams are going to have, whether it's Green Bay or whatever team that he's going to go to end up on, he probably will then have a chance mm-hmm. to be the highest paid player mm-hmm. in the league. So to your point, you were always saying this will look real funky if he went back for money right now. But I do think next offseason, sure. he can revisit that and wait for these younger quarterbacks to get their deals. And then he can make himself feel better about possibly being in a new home and also having the headlines of Aaron yeah. Rodgers as the highest paid player in the league. Yeah. 
So if if his final year of 2023 is voided, the other thing about that, I thought you were going to laugh. I thought you were going to text me. I thought both you were going to text me when the detail came out about no tags allowed. Like no tags. Love that. That was painful. Love that. Now, they will trade him if he feels the same after this season. So now they can have another year together. Think of yourself in a relationship that may not be going anywhere, but you're not sure. Maybe you can save it. Like, okay, let's buy another year. Everybody takes an exhale. Uh Like, okay. Let's go out to dinner and see what happens. No doubt. Now, there is language in there that they will trade him, but why if the deal isn't great? That's my point. That's what I'll have to ask Shefty tomorrow. Like, if they're going to put language in there that they will agree to trade him after this year, that's fine, but I'm not going to trade him for nothing. I'm not going to trade him to the Vikes, and I'm not going to trade him with a team that's going to haunt me. So, for me, they called his bluff, and it worked. Now, if Goody leaves on his own in a year then maybe, maybe that could save him and he'll retire a Packer. But it also keeps Jordan Love on the bench. No doubt. I and agree. With, they would have to trade him. I agree with almost everything you're saying, That except for it, that Packers, they won for now. They won for now. Because the future of this franchise, who knows what it looks like because of the guy you just mentioned. Jordan Love could be a bad quarterback. He could be great. He could be bad, too. We have no idea. So life without Aaron Rodgers is probably coming. And do they have that answer I have no idea, but on the flip side of that, if you do flip him and trade him, in my opinion, you're getting a home run deal no matter what, so maybe that finds your quarterback of the future there. So three things for the Packers. Yeah, One, you get him back, you get to compete for a Super Bowl this year. No doubt. That's number one. Number two, uh, you you feel like you have a chance to maybe warm him back up to it, but I doubt it. I think he sees now the light at the end of the tunnel, and he's going to be tunnel vision mm-hmm. towards that. That's what I feel. But you got him to come back. You get to compete for a Super Bowl. You do risk injury no and trade value a year from now. But we have to go on the assumption that his trade value will still be very high. Very high. And the fact of the matter is you called his bluff and won. You you won. For now. Yeah, but... For now. They won for now. But, Batty, the win to me was there was no ultimate win for them. The ultimate win is if he just slithered back and said, I'll play through 2023, and we knew that wasn't going to happen. So this is actually a big win for them. I because, don't think it's a big I think it's a temporary dub for them. Like, you know why I feel it's a big win? Because I was worried. I said to you two months ago, you can't afford to let him retire. He's worth too much. The no, fact that, that they called that bluff yeah. when he could have retired on them. I would be fully with you if we got the news from Schefter and he signed a four-year extension to say, you know what? It's all figured out. I'm here for the foreseeable yeah, that future. Was, that didn't seem so like that that's why I can't get with them fully winning this situation. I'm almost there. Because I think they, they won realistically. They, they got them for another year, and they're in their window. But the future of the Packers, to me, is where I just question a little bit of how much they really want. How much did the Jackets win over the weekend, and how does this rebuild look? We'll talk about it with Scott Wheeler next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the Jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. So bad. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, back at it, Rothman and Ice. We'll get into the Seth trade, which I thought was amazing. CBJ and Yarmo, I, I said earlier, had a crap sandwich to eat, and they turned that into a delectable future possibility. Mm. Nobody wanted to lose Seth. Hear me, Craig. Nobody wanted to lose him. But the agents have all the cards these days. And I got to tell you, I'm not too sure how many teams outside of the Hawks wanted to sign him to that money for that long. Chicago may have been bidding against themselves. I thought Yarmo did a great job. Great job. He may have asked for Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrincat, both top six dudes. Shytown probably said no, but you get uh, Boquist, 
ran that power play right-handed shot, and uh, that, that'll help a struggling part of our game eventually. Center Kent Johnson, um, I mean, this is skill off the charts. As we go to Scott Wheeler, our friend from The Athletic. Scott, thanks for hanging in there. We appreciate your expertise. How you been? I've been well. This uh, last couple of days have just been winding down after the, the chaos of, of draft weekend. So nice to have a little bit of downtime here. All right, let's talk about Ken Johnson, the center at number five for the Jackets out of Michigan. Uh, they call him instant offense. I've seen some of his highlights. Lefty shot, six skill, good vision. Uh, he's got a high IQ and awareness. Um, I think he was was second out of all freshmen in assistant points. I think he's going to be 19 now in October. Uh, skinny kid, tall, but uh, what is what are they saying? What are the because it's one thing for the CBJ to love the dude they drafted. What are the other people saying? Yeah, I mean, Kent's a kid that that was number two on my board, so that kind of speaks for itself in terms of the work that I do at the Athletic and how high I am on Kent. And that wasn't the typical uh, sort of ranking, if you will. I think if you did a survey of scouts, you'd find most had Kent kind of in that six to nine range in this draft. But five was by by no means early, and in fact, I would probably argue it, it provided really good value for a player as talented as Kent is. And He's the kind of game-breaking talent that you have to target and can really only target in the NHL these days unless you're willing to spend $10 million a year in free agency. Um, so that part of it is, is a big deal for me. I, I think in this draft class, which was a D-heavy draft with four of the top nine prospects being defensemen, Kent was, of, of the five forwards that rounded out that group, probably the most purely talented forward. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be the best hockey player of the bunch because there's a lot more that goes into being an NHL player than the, the true skill level, but he's the kind of kid that at his ceiling and, and in the prime of his career should play on a first or second line, should be on the first power play, and should really be a dynamic offensive zone kind of player. And Yeah, I mean, I, I heard you mention that he's a little bit skinny, and that's absolutely true. He, he's going to need to get a little bit stronger, but that's what his time in college is for. I wouldn't be surprised if he only spends one more year in college, though I think two is a possibility. And when he emerges from college, I expect that he's going to be, if not an impact player right away, then uh, someone who's not far off from that. And uh, he's going to inject some skill into the lineup. There's no question. We had a a really feel-good pick with the 12th overall pick with former Blue Jacket Mike Sillinger, his son Cole being selected there. Your thoughts on the player that he is now and maybe what he can turn into here in a few years. I'm a big fan of Cole, another kid who was higher on my board than than where he was selected. He was ninth on my list, so I think there's an, another sort of good value pick at 12 there. Uh, he he doesn't have quite the skill level that Kent does, but also one of the most talented players in the draft in terms of his hands being the strength of his game. I actually wrote a column before the draft sort of grading all, all of these kids by their single skill sets and one, two on the sort of best hands in the draft list was Ken Johnson and Cole Sillinger. So those are the kinds of players they clearly wanted to target. They wanted to inject some talent. They wanted to take a chance on that sort of high end skill level that both of those kids have. And I think it'll pay off. Cole is a very different player than Kent beyond the hands. He, he shoots the puck harder He's a much more physical player. He's absolutely ripped. I did a feature on him, and like this is a kid with a very, very low body fat percentage, looks like an NHL player already. So different from Kent that way. But 
pulls up, he looks like a pro and, and kind of plays that sort of pro style middle of the ice kind of game. And then he's also got an NHL shot and NHL hand. So a lot to like there. I, I think they could end up and will probably end up with two top six forwards out of those two kids. Scott Wheeler with us, who is the national reporter covering the NHL draft and the prospects for the athletic here on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Um, took a defenseman there, 25 in Corson Kuhlman's, uh, big kid, um, two-way defender. I think he can play the physical game and probably throw some offense in as well. Uh, how high did you have him on your board? We got him at 25. Yep, I, another kid had him, I believe, 22 or 23 on my list, so they got him a little bit after that, which is, again, good value. I, I, I think Corson's going to be a good player. He's still a very raw player. He's got these physical tools that really pop. He'll finish his checks. The puck really pops off of his blade when he's shooting it. He's got a very, very hard shot. Um, but there, there's, there's some sort of fine-tuning that needs to happen in the decision-making. He plays a very aggressive game with and without the puck, he tries to do a lot out there, and uh, as we know, that that can burn defensemen at times when he sort of reads a play wrong and tries to jump up and finish a check or try something a little bit too difficult for his skill level and the result is a turnover, that kind of a thing. So there are some warts, but he's off to the University of Wisconsin. There's no rush. He can spend three, four years at the University of Wisconsin before they have to make a decision on signing him. And uh, I think he's got a chance to be a really good college hockey player right away and then in time become kind of the dominant one that, that earns a deal in the NHL and, and works from there, whether it's starting in the AHL and working his way up or, or potentially even becoming a sort of right out of college kind of guy. So big, big fan of course. And he, he's got some work to do to sort of polish his game a little bit, I would say, uh, and sort of refine it and calm down out there a little bit, but he, he can make plays. He's a very talented kid. And then he's got the physical tools, a lot like Cole Sillinger, where he, he, he already looks like an athlete and carries a lot, around a lot of weight out there. So uh, the, the, the tools are there. It's just about sort of tweaks here and there. Been seeing so much positive, so many positive things said about what the Blue Jackets did this weekend and with this draft, these draft selections here, did they have the best draft for you? And if they didn't, who was another team or teams you thought were right there kind of neck and neck with what the Jackets were able to do? I think in total value, it was definitely up there just because of the three first-round picks and because of some hits a little later in the draft. I like the selection of Stanislav Zwozil and Guillaume Richard and James Malatesta. Those kids are more long shots, and if they do make it, they'll be more depth players than the three kids that were taken at the top. But because they were the only team that had three firsts, it, it's hard not to call, call them one of the winners. And then not only did they have three firsts, but I thought they made good on them. So that's half the battle. Um, but there were some other teams that had really, really strong drafts. I liked Carolina's draft a lot. Obviously, Buffalo having two first-round picks in the first overall selection and grabbing Owen Power is a big deal for that organization. And I thought Buffalo made some sleuth selections in sort of rounds two to seven as well to, to find some skill and inject some skill into their prospect pool, which despite the fact that it's not Buffalo's not in a great spot as an organization right now, their prospect pool actually also isn't in a great spot either. So they needed that big time. Um, so th- those, those are a few that come to mind. I also really, really like the job that the LA Kings have done. I think the LA Kings have the best prospect pool in hockey right now by a wide margin. And they just, continued to add to that in this group even though they only had four picks i thought they did really well with all of those picks so those are probably the teams that sort of lingered as me and and columbus is absolutely in in that group as one of the better drafts of the weekend 
All right, with Scott Wheeler, great stuff. Your insight on the Jackets draft. Let me take our final 60 seconds and talk to you about a couple dudes from the past that the Jackets got in Adam Boquist, who was a number eight overall, I think, a few years ago. And then they flipped the pick they got from Chicago and they turned it into Jake Bean, who was, uh, was he 13th overall, I think, in 2016? So they also have now two additions on that blue line. What did you think of Boquist's future and so far what Jake Bean's done? Well, I'm a big fan of both of those kids. Uh, Jake was a top five, maybe even top three prospect in Carolina's pool. And Adam was arguably the the number one sort of young player in, in the system. I mean, obviously he graduated and played last year with the Blackhawks at the NHL level, but still kind of that young-ish 20, 21-year-old player who who has a really bright future and I've been really really high on Boquist for a long long time he was sixth or seventh I believe on my draft ranking um at the time and obviously watched him sort of come up with the London Knights and before that over in Sweden and he's a a very mobile aggressive highly engaged offensive defenseman there are still some warts to his game defensively despite being a little bit of a smaller guy I would actually give him credit and say that he doesn't shy away from the physical game so that will help him long term hold his own at even strength defensively but he's never going to be a shutdown guy that's just not who he is you're looking at him to hopefully he can if he can get by playing a regular shift at even strength then the real value he gets is the way that he contributes to your offense the way he breaks pucks out his shot from the point, a lot like Corson Kuhlman's, is very, very hard and really pops off of his stick. And then he can run a power play. So that, that's what you're looking at out of uh, Boquist. And then Jake Bean, I think he was in a tough situation. We know that Carolina over the last three years has had one of the deepest top six decors in the NHL. They've had t- guys who would be top fours on other teams playing on their third pairing. And that has just made it really, really hard on Jake to break into the league. I think if he were in any other situation, he would already be a full-time NHLer, not just for last season, but probably even the season before that. He had shown by then that he was ready to play in the NHL and was already a dominant AHL player. So Jake's got an opportunity to be a sort of clear top six guy in Columbus, maybe even a top four guy. And he's a two-way guy who can also run a power play. I mean, if you had Boquist running the top PP and him running the second PP, you wouldn't even be in a bad situation, and that's without getting into Zach Wierenski AL as well. So um, it, it's, a, it's a good situation. I, I thought they had an excellent, excellent weekend, and it could prove to be a, a transformative one for the future of the Blue Jackets. That's what they like to hear in this town for sure. Scott, great, great stuff. Appreciate your insight on the draft. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Anytime. That is Scott Wheeler, national reporter covering the NHL draft for The Athletic. He was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. All right, you had a dude that was a leader on and off the ice. He wanted to stay, but they shipped him out anyway. We'll talk about the cam trade next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. The Fan is live and local with morning juice. Caffeinate and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Maddie enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, we wrap the CBJ weekend. Seth goes to Chi-Town. Mm. I got to say, I was a little jealous when I saw he and his brother Caleb on the boat doing the interview. It's like you and your down bro, the man. Was, Back at the home. Did you guys see it, by the way? Did you see him on the boat doing the interview? I just they saw the, the two mics of them. I didn't see so that. So they had the two mics yeah. set up on the boat. I presume going down the Chicago River and just kind of 
uh, doing their interview either on Hawks TV or whatever it was. You got to look it up. It's, yeah, it's I, pretty I amazing. And everybody knows that that he can play both ends of the ice. That he doesn't get tired. He he just doesn't get tired. He played sixty five minutes against Tampa. Mm. Dude averages twenty five plus. Putting in work. He he's top five on ice since he joined the league eight years ago. He's played almost six hundred games. He's, he was on a he had a down year on a rough team. Mm-hmm. We know that. This gives the Hawks strength on the back end. You need that to win. Everybody knows it. It's why we traded for him originally. Duncan Keith went to Edmonton. Seabrook retired. Everyone knows he's an elite defenseman with offensive, being an offensive guy. Yeah. So you want him on the ice as much as possible, and he's fine with it. Nine and a half million for eight years. On paper, you're getting a very, very, very solid as it gets. In a weird way, and I said this to you a while back, we would have paid what he asked for, most likely. We probably would have paid this. Because of the position we were in, perception, mm-hmm. future captain, face of the franchise, nobody wants to stay, right. we lose all the stars. Like As far as leverage goes, Seth could have asked for the world and gotten it here, yeah. and we would have, we would have paid it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess we would have paid it because of all those reasons. The fact that we don't have to in a rebuild is not the worst thing in the world. He's not 21, mm-hmm. and so I feel like to take him and turn him into four dudes, <laughs> the guys we talked about with Boquist, flipping him for Bean, yeah. taking Kent Johnson, um, where we were, I mean, the, pick that Sillinger, and then to get what we got out of this trade, I actually think they did a miraculous job with what they had to deal with because if if his agent and Seth says, I don't want to play there, I mean, these guys are holding all the cards now. I, I, have, I have to tell you, I've talked to enough people in this league that the agents run it, and it, it's tough. I think the good news is, I think the Hawks think there were a lot more people that probably wanted to pay him this, and I think they'd be wrong. He is what now the third highest paid defenseman in the league, definitely top yep. five with this new mm-hmm. salary that he's racked up. He's well, not. He's not. A, he's not the third best. But he's third, the, highest, third right. highest paid right now. Because yeah. it's interesting that you said that because there were people on both sides of the Seth Jones conversation as far as maybe the heavy analytics mm-hmm. crowd not loving yeah. Seth Jones as if you're not into the analytics. What I saw from the dude was a heck of a player that was a rock defensively and like you said could sprinkle in some offense. Every now and then, I said yesterday, though, AR, that I was surprised by the Cam Atkinson trade. It caught me off guard. That wasn't something I was prepared for going into the weekend. But when you look at what Voracek is going to be able to do or can do with his skill set, the benefit may swing towards Patrick Line, And that's a big deal. The other part of this from a hockey sense, when now that we switched to Cam for a quick second, um, this was a tough one. This was one that, not a complete head-scratcher, but one of those, do you really want to do this Mm -hmm. from a perception standpoint? Gives them some cap relief. They get some flexibility outside of getting out of Jake earlier. Um, Jake's bigger. Jake's a bigger dude. Jake's 6'2", and he's got one year less, which is nice when you're in the position they're in. He can play the power play. He can play top six minutes. They needed to be heavier as a team a little bit. They were getting into a... 
Well, light. It's weird. Well, just finesse. You know, you yeah. you know, you lose Seth. Sure. You're losing some pieces. You lost Andy. Need some lost, some some big dogs you, you, out there. And and not that Cam. See, the interesting thing about Cam is Cam will Cam's so good on the penalty kill. That's why he he gets all those shorties. Yeah. Just such his awareness right. and his instincts on the on the kill are so good, and that's why he does so well. But and he will go to the dirty area. He'll go to the paint and get some goals. But Jake's bigger, and you need that. And so if you need to get a little heavier as a team, they did that. But the Seth trade, like I said a million times, I thought that was really good for what they were dealing with. Yeah. And then these guys, you get guys that are young and hungry on drafting, and they want to earn ice time, and that's what you want on a team. Uh, Cole is going to play for, for Wisconsin with Granado. It's great to have him there. He'll develop him tremendously. That's all he does there is develop. So that's where we sit. Yeah. In a rebuild slash retool, mostly rebuild. I thought they knocked it out of the park this weekend. We'll come back top of the hour. We'll update you on the shifting in the world of college football. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Two guys who love a good fantasy draft. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. As we anticipate Peter Burns, SEC Network, CB will track him down and we'll discuss the shuffle that is going on in college football. Somebody asked me the other day about, you know, Big Ten shift, you know, go after these teams and other programs. I, I shouldn't even say teams. They're programs. They're, they're universities. But I know they're technically they're teams. Right. And... Somebody threw out USC, and I said, "Well, that's so. So let's go play in Happy Valley one week, and then go play USC the next." I go, so then I said, "What is this? The NFL?" <laughs> and and the, and the guy looked at me, and goes, "I think you answered your question. It's kind of getting there. Like, that's you, what I mean. That think about that. I, I know twenty five hundred miles apart. I, I know. And with the new playoff format and all of that, sure. and the expansion of that, you know, people have brought up the kind of." professional vibe that this is starting to have with the money and the amount of games played and all that stuff. So I understand that. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like as we welcome in Peter Burns to the SEC Network. Pete, good to have you. Thanks for making time for us. <laughs> What's up, boys? Uh, nothing really interesting happening no. in the world or anything. No, kind of quiet. So, uh... <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so where do we begin? Let's Let's actually try to begin. I was about to make this point to Maddie here. This almost feels like to me that if you were fast-forwarding life, you know, 10 years down the road, it almost feels like to me that college football is heading down more of the road of college basketball in that the regular season only matters so much. And if this playoff comes into existence and expands and gets to 12 and who knows, and you get these super conferences then it's all just a big glop of you-know-what to get to what basketball gets to, which is March Madness, except in college football, it would be whatever, January Madness. It would be, it feels like that to me. Does it feel like 10 years down the road we may be looking at something where you have a watered-down regular season, even though you have fun games, it only matters once you get to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you look at, I mean, just growing up, right, I remember just couldn't wait to watch Dominique Wilkins or, you know, Patrick Ewing. With, I mean, mm-hmm. like, in basketball, I'd watch a regular season game, and it feels like, you know, maybe it's attention span, and maybe now that i got two kids under four, my, I don't have as much time, but I'm like, all right, let's wait until we get to the playoffs. 
But also look at the dollar amounts and the eyeballs that you get on regular season games versus, you know, playoff games, right? I mean, the NFL says it, I mean, for the longest time. And I think for the longest time, we've protected the regular season of football, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, in a way, we've kind of gone into the DeLorean and, you know, hit the, hit the back to the future button. And, and all of a sudden, we're, we have expanded that. And, you know, the college football playoff expansion was going to be one version of this. But now with conference realignment, I think they understand this is where it's the headed. You might as well get here now or, you know, all of a sudden you may be asleep at the wheel and somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. With this news with OU and Texas now potentially joining the SEC in a a matter of moments, it kind of feels like to me. What do you think this is going to do for the playoff uh, kind of scenarios for the teams within the SEC? Does this make it easier or does this make it uh, more difficult for the squads coming out of the SEC in the college football playoff conversation? Well, that's that's a really unique question because what happened is Greg Sankey was part of that kind of executive committee to decide how are they going to expand the college football playoff. I mean, now I think almost all of it is you have to put it on pause because I think the dynamics and the landscape of college football are going to change drastically, if not, you know, in the next three years, perhaps in even in maybe the next, you know, nine to, to 12 months, right? I mean, if I look at this across the board, I don't think you can put any ideas on, you know, pen to ink right now um, as far as, as saying what the college football playoff is going to look like because I don't know what the landscape is going to look like, right? I mean, is this done? You know, are we going to do 16 teams in the SEC? Is the Big 12 and then the Pac-12 going to look at a merger? Um, are, are we done with this realignment? I don't think you can do any of it, guys, uh, until you finally know what, you know, where the, where the pieces have settled. ESPN, SEC Network, studio anchor. He is Peter Burns with us. Nice to spend some time on the biggest story going on for college football. You know, it's not like Texas has been a world beater. They've had horrible seasons. And, and I said, you know, when this first broke, Peter, I said – that if you're a play, you can look at this several different ways. You can look at it from a fan perspective. You can look at it from a player perspective. You can look at it from an administration perspective, from a TV network perspective. But if you're looking at it from a player only perspective, because I think that's what Ohio State fan is very curious about, is if these two programs, these big branded programs, get into the SEC and they can sell the SEC, that all of the eyes of college football are upon you every single time you play. Not that maybe they weren't before, but but you get into the SEC, and that's what Ohio State fan would be a little worried about is that not that we're a, a problem recruiting, but that you may be losing some dudes that maybe you could go into Texas that didn't want to play for UT anymore because they're not good. Right. Now, I don't think they're going to get better in the SEC. They would seem like they would only get worse unless the recruiting picks up and say, well, wait a minute, now is the time to go to Texas if they get into the SEC. Do you feel like from a player perspective that they will attract more players or less with this move well i mean look we go back and look at the recruiting rankings that texas a&m had before they joined the sec which were pretty solid they had good teams and then the recruiting rankings after that it was i mean pretty much night and day now if i'm a if i'm a you know our buckeye fan for life right now i'm not worried right because ohio state is one of those brands right they're one of the top three if not five brands in all of college football in anything, it helps them stand out even more. But what it does hurt is going to hurt the Michigans. It's going to hurt the Michigan States. It's going to hurt any, the Minnesotas of the world because you're right. They used to might be able to get one or two of those kids, and now the SEC has gotten even stronger. So to me, you know, the kind of individual teams that win from this is actually the Ohio States and the Clemsons of the world because, A, 
you know, now you're seeing the SEC get even tougher to, to get by, right? It's the a, it's a 27 Yankees when you look at the brands that are in that school, uh, in that conference now. But to me, it, it allows me, if I'm Ohio State, to stand up even more because they are the big dog in the Big Ten, especially after the way that they've waxed Michigan for, it seems like, the last 47 years. Branching off of that, man, we're in a kind of a strange time with college football with so much, so many new things happening with this story, NIL, and then the college football playoff conversation. Would you personally be a fan of kind of a super conference era, if you will, that we would jump into if this kind of stuff continues to trend in the direction that it's going? Yeah, I mean, there's two different ways, right? I can drag my heels like the NCAA did for the longest time and then, you know, be irrelevant. Or I look at it and go, all right, it's going to adapt. It's, so if it does, what do I hope it looks like? And I, don't, I do hope it looks like four super, you know, 16-team conferences, right? I mean, I tweeted that about a decade ago going, hey, I'd love to have the Pac-16, um, and all of a sudden the, you know, the ACC grabs more SEC and Big Ten. You have 64 teams, and then it works out a little bit better as far as from a college football playoff deal. Um, but I'm not quite sure if it gets there. I mean, at that point, I mean, the, the thing is, is at what point does it get too top heavy? Right. And I mean, that's not SEC's problem. Right. Like they shouldn't be looking at it going, well, we've gotten too good. We're not, you know, we need to back off these teams. You know, it's not their fault that Texas and Oklahoma came to play. So as far as for the sake of parity, absolutely. I hope that we go into Uber conferences. So therefore you have a little bit more parity when it comes to college football, because listen, I love saying, SEC, SEC, and how great it is, but it's kind of not fun when all if if, if you're if you're so much bigger than everybody else, and everybody else has really a fighting chance. Peter Burns with us as we talk the shift in college football. Texas and Oklahoma, Maddie asked you off the top, like that. You know, it feels like it could happen any moment, but does it feel to you like this is more set up for the the TV contract down the road, and that Oklahoma and Texas wouldn't be paying that seventy five, eighty million, or what it would take to get out sooner? That the, that the timing is right for them to play a little bit in the Big Twelve, and then wait for the for the Golden Parachute. Well, I think what happens is that they they went back a couple of weeks ago and they did some research and be like, hey, you know, how much will the rates increase for cable? You know, in in you know in, in down the road, and I think a lot of advisors said, hey, it's not right. Cable television is in a different world, and I think at that point they said, well, listen, why are we staying here when we can go jump and and create value? For a brand new deal. Now, the question is whether or not they're going to wait until 2025. I mean, there's two different versions, right? One, you got to put that in a contract to say, we're staying until 2025 because that's what you've agreed to. But if all of a sudden Pac-12 and Big 12, you know, converge, you, you know, they merge together, well, then all of a sudden everybody's out of that contract. Or if the Big 12 just ends up dissolving and everybody goes their own separate ways, then it could be 2022, 2023. Right. So, I mean, they could, they can put the money together. Um, the question is, I don't think they're going to necessarily need to because I think the dynamics are going to change before, definitely before 2025, if I had to guess. Did want to hit you up really quickly on some football stuff for the upcoming year in the SEC. Is this going to be a, just an automatic reload for Bama and they take the crown again? Or should they, you think there are going to be some other teams cooking up some good stuff that are going to get after Nick Saban and company? I mean, it, it, Alabama's reached kind of Ohio State where every, look, every year you look at it going, they're just so damn good. They recruit so well, and the program's steady. You don't see them really falling off, especially now with two signing days and transfer portals where you can fill your, your gaps. I think it's all Georgia this year. I think the Georgia Bulldogs, I, 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 the recruiting-wise, they've been fantastic. 
this JT Daniels kid. Now he's in his second year under Todd Monk and their offensive coordinator. So if I said, hey, I can take one team or the field, give me the Georgia Bulldogs over the field of the SEC, believe it or not. Just I, I think I think Bama's going to be good. I, I think Georgia has a chance to be absolutely elite this season. Will they be elite in week one when they have to beat Clemson? Uh, I don't think I think they do. You know, I mean, we, we still got to see how fall camp breaks out right now, but I'm, I'm not necessarily sold from one of my friends, you know, friends I've talked to on the ACC side of it. They're not necessarily sold with how good the offensive and defensive line is, is for Clemson right now. DJ Gouangalale is awesome. They're quarterback and they've got skill position players, but Georgia just has an NFL team on both the offensive and defensive line. And week one, if you're going to keep it simple, it, it's all about a line of scrimmage league. And I still ultimately think that's the reason why Georgia will win week one. But, I mean, hell, I, uh, <laughs> who knows what conference anybody else will be in by the time we get to week one at this point, boys. It's nuts. Exactly. Peter, great stuff, man. Thanks for hopping on. lot to talk about. And we'll talk to you again soon. Be well. Appreciate it, boys. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. You got it. Peter Burns uh, with us from ESPN, the SEC Network, on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Um, I said this while you were gone, you know, part of me and you even heard in Peter's voice about geography and what mm-hmm. it means to college football and part of it. And I'm not naive and I know that, that they're not amateurs anymore. They're going to be, they're going to get paid off their likeness. Right. That's not getting paid, but they, they can cash in on their likeness. Uh, it used to be, you came to school, um, to have an athletic scholarship and then parlay that into a career. And if you didn't, you use the education to fall back on. Now you you maybe get rich while you're here, and yeah. and so that's fine for the, for the few that can get very rich while they're here. But to me, there was always something about geography that mattered. Like the, the Midwest, we always held that up as is the Big Ten as being the the meat and potatoes conference. But we play in the cold. Um, we're just we're we've got a different attitude about it. Um, and now there's this shift to the playoff is coming. Mm-hmm. You're expanding the playoff, and the only thing I worry about. Maybe worry is a strong word. We'll, we'll always watch the sport. But my feeling that we are headed towards a not so much a regular season like we watch college basketball, where I like the games, but I know they don't ultimately matter outside of earning a one seed. Yeah. You do want to earn a high seed. No doubt. I feel like college football, Maddie, is going to have that feel where you'll ha- if you have super conferences – that the rivalry games will still be there, yeah. but you know it's not the be-all, end-all if you lose it or win it yeah. because you'll still backdoor maybe into the playoff. You heard him, he talks about Georgia. Georgia's going to be great. What if they lose to Clemson? What if what if this becomes the 16-team SEC and you lose a couple, three games, still get in as an eight seed or something? Right. And so you still have a chance to circle the wagons. We are going to get to a point like the NFL where a wild card team can win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You might get to a point in college football, maybe. I know Dabo disagrees with this, sure. where you could have a, a two or three loss team winning the title. They get their losses out of their way. You catch a team at the right time. Maybe you're not, maybe you're healthier. Maybe you feel, maybe you're taking on a team that has a goose egg on the right side. So they have to protect an undefeated season. Yeah. There's a whole different ball game. I'm with you, man, because you know that's where I was at when we had the announcement about the expansion of the college football playoff. My fear is what this is going to take away from. And to me, it takes away from that special vibe that we have as fans and that, hey, we got to have it from the football team every single week. That changes the mentality just a little bit because of what you said. You got wiggle room. And so we are no doubt in new times when it comes to college football. And that's what I'm worried about is that. 
that excitement, that sizzle that we have with college football and the weight that those games hold every week, it's a little bit of that gone now, in my opinion, and, or will be. And there was a little bit of territoriality for me being yeah. old. You had you had Oregon or Washington or USC to the Big Ten. I it, it's it, weird. It feels weird. I know it may be a desperate move, and you get a big brand, and yeah. it may have to happen. Mm-hmm. But then you want to really just homogenize the whole situation. Yeah. All right, we'll come back talk a little bit more about like Deshaun Watson. He really is available, and who would take him? Yeah. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Joggers or sweatpants. Either way, one size fits all. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, it was always good to see my friends over at Jermaine Honda of Dublin, 6715 Sawmill Road. Just talking to my friend Marcello over there. They got 20 new rides dropped to them. And they got a couple that I honestly don't even want to tell you about because I like them so much, but I will. <laughs> First of all, it's very tough to get cars now, and they just got 20. And the Passport, the Honda Passport, is been very hard to come by. They have the one that is my ultimate ride, which is the all-wheel drive Elite Passport 2021. Mm. They got them. They've got an all-wheel drive SE Honda Pilot. So two that I've got my eye on, both in the color I want. That that modern steel metallic. One's on black. One's on gray. They also have a Honda Passport EXL in deep scarlet pearl which is outstanding looking. It's on their website now, JermaineHondaOfDublin.com. But 20 new rides over there. If you don't want to go new and you want to go pre-owned, just a little gap wedge next door to my friend Jerry and Marvin and his team. They've got over 300 pre-owned and a lot of certified rides. So Jermaine Honda of Dublin is the place to go, and you can shop now and take a look like I'm doing at JermaineHondaOfDublin.com. Tell Rich I said hello over there and tell him to take care of you, or I will take care of him. Mm even though he's a lot bigger than me. JermaineHondaOfDublin.com. It's all right. Yeah. Get to Scra- the knees, man. Yeah, it may be old, but I'm spry. You know? Yeah. Just take Crafty. out the knees, man. Wiry. What did, what did Bobby always used to drop with us with the the Bill Parcell story? I got one good fight left in me. Don't let it be you. Yeah. Big tree fall. <laughs> I love hard. that OG stuff right there. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've been on a treadmill for 90 minutes on the show, and I've loved every second of it. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, I had a lot of pent-up stuff from being off that I sure. wanted to, that I wanted to talk about, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then I texted you guys yesterday when Deshaun showed up. Yeah, and I remember saying it's Shefty. Don't rule it out, and he was like, "Nope, not going to happen." Well, now is the time that we have to speculate on a trade. Mm-hmm. I I don't feel if they're answering the phone now, the Texans. That's news to me, but. I can't imagine, and you've always been an at, you've always been pushing this, that there will there will be teams that are ready to trade for him, but being ready and pulling it off are two different things. You have eight of the ten women filing complaints have also filed civil suits against him, not criminal, civil, and but with with there are twenty two that have filed civil against him. And but when you have alleged sexual assault and misconduct stemming from these, you know, alleged private therapy sessions, by the way, how how many therapists did you need to see? Mm-hmm. Why so many? 
They're all female. They're all set telling the same story. Yeah. They know each other. Were they of the same place? Were these private sessions? It seems like they were private from what I'm reading, all of them, that they weren't. He didn't go to a, right. a place. And so there's a lot of different accusers coming from a lot of different angles. And if you and I and, and Colin, you know, we're running an NFL team right now, we could want him all day. And, and we could kind of inquire on what it might take. But I would be so afraid... And maybe that's the sad part. The reality is that maybe teams aren't afraid to worry about it. They're willing to roll the dice and we'll, we'll, I mean, unless it's criminal and then he, then Correct. he's done, right? right? He's not right. playing for right. you right. or anybody. So, but, but it seems like this is, this is still very premature, except the news of, of, of his attorney saying that teams are ready to trade for him. I, I don't know what that's yeah. about. Mortensen came out over the weekend, I think Sunday and dropped that Houston's ready. Like you said, the phone lines are open, and it feels like um, that this could get done. Now, when this gets done, I have no idea. But the fact that Chris Mortensen is now reporting that is pretty big news to me. But all the stuff you just touched on, that's the elephant in the room. That is absolutely the elephant in the room. And if you are a team that wants to acquire his services, well, there's a lot that's going to come with that. And the blowback that you're going to receive from, I'm sure, a portion of your fans, and rightfully so, for what he's being accused of right now. Like we said, no idea how true this stuff is, but it doesn't look great, if I'm being honest. doesn't look great, but look, we don't want to accuse anybody until we get the absolute facts. But that's it for me, is how much of that stuff is going to outweigh the decision that you make to bring him in for football reasons. We all know how great this dude is. He's unreal playing the quarterback position, but when does he step on the field for you? How long is he going to be suspended? And the PR battle that you're going to have to go through, if you trade for this guy right now, do some GMs and owners feel like it's worth all of that because he is that good. So what they're asking for is really rich, and for Deshaun watching, it should be. But when you zoom out from all of this, you can't get away from what's happening to him legally right now, and that's why this makes this such a tough call. This To me, there's, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. I I can't take a chance on trading what it's going to take to trade for him and then wonder if the other cleat drops and he's, he's nailed criminally. I can't do it. Now, what the Texans may be saying here is we're open for business. It doesn't mean that we're going to have to trade him now, maybe before the November deadline. Maybe everything will be cleared up by then. Maybe they're trying, or maybe they're trying to get a bidding war starter. See how many people would be interested. But right, but you just can't do it. The Texans' price for landing him, we've read what five high draft picks That's for the, starting yeah. caliber players. Right, right, yeah. and so he's worth that. Oh no, he's, he, he's he, worth he it. absolutely is worth that. But to your point, the timing of this. It's awful as far as acquiring him to be ready, maybe, for football this year. have no idea what that's going to look like as far as is he going to take a snap this year. But the temptation has to be sky high for teams that are thirsty for a quarterback. And we talked about those teams, and maybe we could talk about them coming back from break. But the temptation to acquire this guy, I'm sure palms are itching, man, for some (laughs) of these GMs to get this guy in. But like you just touched on, if this goes completely the other way, and he is criminally charged, and you don't see Deshaun Watson for forever or whatever, then you just flush down the drain three first-round picks, a second-round pick, and player X or whatever they're going to ask for. So 
I can't wait to see the football mm-hmm. side of this unfold. The legal stuff is awful right now, but it's such a large part of the story. But the fact that we have this football sliver of the pie kind of coming back to life a little bit, it's very fascinating. And you know teams are digging, man. They're digging in behind the scenes to try to eliminate the possibility of worst-case scenario happening if you do acquire Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He showed up because he didn't want to get fined. 50 grand That a makes day. sense. Yeah, it's a lot of coin, like, man. Right. He, he showed up. Yeah. I want to get paid. The Texans, they haven't excused him from this. And they, they've obviously decided it's not a distraction of having him at the facility. So what's interesting to me is that the commissioner probably has to do something here with the exempt. Like, eventually you have to, if, you, if, if Goodell feels this, this investigation is heading down the road where he's hearing some stuff yeah. where, it, where it might lead to something, then he's going to have to put him on the exempt list. No doubt. Uh, we'll come back. Very interesting stuff with your red legs mm. and the Cubbies last night. Will that boil over? Oh, yeah. You expect a real <laughs> clam bake. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Love crew soccer? Us too. Let's get married and catch every game together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you're hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in Rothman and Ice. Matty Ice, Anthony Rothman hanging out with you on a Tuesday. We got a prize we are going to give away at the end of today's show, somewhere around the end of today's show. The winner is going to receive a pair of tickets to the Impractical Jokers Tour at the Schottenstein Center on December 30th. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. You could do that or you could just hang out with us for a little while longer. And hit up CB, and maybe you'll win the tickets there. That's right. We'll do a private call with you. Mm, hotline. Maybe we add that to the prize. Make that hotline bling. CB after dark. If you're lonely, call him up. He'll be up. You right. up? Just yeah. hit him. Hit him up. You up? Bring some pineapples. He'll be there. You know. Uh, Shohei Otani, 100 plus Ks, double digit home runs in the same season. Yeah, he's uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Babe never did that. Oh. Mm. Uh, last night had a hit. Ribby, stolen base, mm. run scored. Yep. Need anything uh, else? Yeah. Good on my team. Reds lose to the Cubs. Uh, that had to be just a normal feeling of the of the gut oh, punch. Oh, God, normal? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I actually thought they won the game. So it's weird. I, oh, I was yeah. switching. What was I watching last night? Can't even recall now. YouTube. But it was, you know, I've been on the YouTube. You know, I'm a little bit off that at night now. Okay. I'm, I'm, it's weird. I, I'm not a big game player on the phone. But I've yeah, I've I've discovered kind of the fancy solitaire version oh, on my phone. Okay, and, be careful. And they hit you up for buying stuff. And be careful. Probably tracking me. I mean, everyone, all they're the apps are tracking, tracking me anyway. Question. Even if you, I mean, they're always tracking. Yeah, no doubt. You. But I'm on there now, and I'm so I've I've gone to that. But you know, I've I've I'll get back on YouTube okay. and figure things out. Right. I told you that my thing from a couple months ago was watching these young people. Who, who do reactions to music that they claim they've never heard before. And a couple of them I really like, yeah. but they're probably making a really good salary because there's more than one or two of these people. They're, they've got teams of people. Mm-hmm. they got twins. They've got, mm-hmm. you know. And so they play songs that I like mm-hmm. that they claim they've never heard before. And then you watch them listening to the song Nothing. and their reaction. Nothing. No, no, their reactions are pretty good. Okay. Usually, usually they're pretty complimentary. But I'm saying as far as them knowing what the song is. They claim they've never heard right, it. They've never right. even... Right. Listen, man. I don't know how you could get to a point with some of these songs that they're listening to and having never heard it. 
It's happening to me too. It's happening to me too. Maybe you ought to jump in and get a YouTube channel. I probably well. Ice uh, reacts. I don't. Yeah, you know me, man. I I don't want to be doing all that all day, all night. Like I'm just off the grid all day, all day. But it's happening to me, man. Now because you know these past NFL draft classes, the NBA draft class. Like I've seen videos of these guys too. Then they don't know songs that I know. It hurt me this morning where CB didn't know who Mace was. The Welcome Back song. That's rough. That that hurt me. If he didn't know Mace's version, then he certainly had never heard of Welcome Back, Connor. <laughs> that I do know. Oh my goodness! It, it does suck. You guys, yeah. it, you guys will eventually yeah. get there. Yeah. I told you it started um, with the remake of the movies for when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Lion King hurt me to see that mm-hmm. coming back, and then CB and I were talking about this yesterday. All the juniors that you're seeing pop yeah. up: J.C. Horn, oh, no, Asante Samuel, Jr. Michigan State got a commitment wide receiver yesterday. Do you want to know the name? Mm-hmm. Antonio Gates Jr. Yeah, it's like what's going on? You remember Dusty Baker's for me, kid? For me, it was it was Antoine Winfield Jr. That was the that was the one that kind of broke Super that Bowl was champ. Antoine that was the that was the one. Yeah, that, that was the weird one. I feel you. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening to me now, and it makes me really uncomfortable. I saw Dusty Baker's kid just got drafted. Remember him when he got he was at home plate Dusty and they had to yank Dinkleman? him out. They had to yank him from home plate when he was the bat boy. Yeah, that dude is. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's dra- he just got drafted. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That felt like. Well, and it happened to me this weekend because Sillinger played for the Jackets when I was covering the team. <laughs> now the son's here. He's drafted his kid. Yeah, but uh, last night was uh, painful for me. Uh, it was painful for me. But I got. Orlovsky had be- never heard of Merlin Olsen this morning. You ever heard the name? Merlin Olsen? Yeah. I don't I got so, nothing. I'm sorry. And I'm not saying you would have heard of him because it's 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 not that long ago. Mm-hmm. He, he last played in the mid to late seventies. I just thought you'd know him from a name. It's not like you've heard of. It's like the people that say, "Oh, that movie's so old." They're like, "Well, have you heard of The Wizard of Oz?" Yeah, it was made in 1939. You heard of that one, right? Mm-hmm. So there are levels of popularity. It doesn't no have question. to be that old. It just what hurts me is when you get a 14 time Pro Bowler named Merlin Olson. Yeah, I, um, I got to be honest. The light yeah. didn't come on. Because they were talking about Aaron Donald, and they were talking about the Madden ratings. and, mm, and The then, 99 club. And I think uh, Tannenbaum talked about, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay deference to, to Parcells. I'm going to go with Merlin Olsen being the best DT and whatever. I'm not mad at and that. Orlovsky, yeah, but Orlovsky never even heard of him. And see, that's worse for Orlovsky okay. to ha- have actually played in the NFL. <laughs> to not know that. I never heard of that dude. No idea. Yeah. Sorry. No, Norlovsky's he's not, you know, he's not an old dude. He's no. he's thirty but he's thirty seven. Okay. So that's the cutoff. That's brutal. Yeah. That doesn't make you feel sub forty, you've never heard of Merlin Olsen? All right. I honestly I have not. Uh so what did you think of that game last night I, with uh your boy? Yeah. I first of all, I loved it that they got to face each other in that moment. It's look, I gotta be consistent here. You know I'm a fan of these type of events happening in sports, this type of drama. You love it. It doesn't feel good when it happens to your team, but if I want to be completely consistent here, I love the entertainment. It sucks when it happens to you, and AG ate it like a man. He stood out there and let Baez do his nonsense and give it back to him the way they've been going back and forth for a few years now, these two guys. So they're both highly emotional. I think their beef is absolutely real. And Amir Garrett brought out the sweep thing when they swept him out of there. He recorded the last out. So Baez returned it with his walk-off hit last night. It was a little excessive. Of course it was excessive, but it was a walk-off. So there's some wiggle room there, but... From an entertainment standpoint and the anticipation for tonight, Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what happens. And what better happen is somebody either coming out of that bullpen or whoever's starting tonight 
He's got to wear one. That's how it works. Why? Because why you don't he have you don't, to wear here's one. Why, here's why these two guys. Here's why I think Bias has to wear one. Because to me, what was over the top was the bat flip in the direction okay. of Amir Gare. That to me, no. Wait, now today, get the ribs ready. Get them ready. All right. So let me if you if you didn't see the game last night. By the way, I was flipping through the channels and I thought they won five four. Yeah. Thought the game was over. I saw the graphic. I'm like, oh okay, Reds yeah. beat the Cubs. All right, mm-hmm. hanging around that wild card. What do you guys like? Uh, six back in the wild card. Right yeah, seven back in the central. Six right, back right in the wild card. Yep. So uh, back in 2018, they went at it when Garrett taunted him after a K. It was pretty pretty big taunt mm-hmm. and where. Then he got into it. Garrett got into it with Rizzo this year. And Baez wanted, jumped over the dugout rail and wanted to fight him. It was great. It was so great. now, here we go. Yeah. Base is loaded. And Baez comes up and there's Garrett. This is amazing. I mean, this, this is, is this what we unbelievable. Want. <laughs> right. This is exactly what we want. And we didn't even get any suspense. One pitch. <laughs> I know. The first pitch. <laughs> I know, I Baez know. hits a towering fly to center. Yeah. Wouldn't have mattered even if it was caught. Right. Ball game's over. And Baez starts to row the boat. With the bat, what is that move? I think he's mocking oh, Amir that, oh, Garrett sweep. when okay. Amir Garrett like did the more sweep. Ru- that's it. Okay, that's it. You nailed it. Okay, that's it. So then I saw, so they cut to some different things. Baez gets to the first base, kind of rips his yeah, jersey a little bit not? off, and everybody everybody mobs him. Yeah. And then, I, then they cut to the camera, and there's Garrett with the bat. I'm thinking, <laughs> how did he get the bat? Right. And you're right. As Baez was walking down the line, he must have just flipped it, yeah. and it must have... Jumped a few, a little bit of yards towards the, the mound. Maybe they never showed it. Mm-hmm. Did you actually see? They, ne- I could. I, there was no. not a replay that showed it's it. The cut, the cut goes so like right to away know from. When end over end to Garrett, or yeah. whether he actually flipped it toward him. Kind of like the old Roger Clemens situation. Remember that Mike well, Piazza that definitely chunks that thing well, that that's way. When he split the bat. Correct. And so to me, that's why. Bias has to wear one today. If that didn't happen, then fine. These guys can chirp all they want. what if he just flipped it and it went end over end and went that way? What if he didn't mean to? Um, you know I what think mean? based off of his emotions at the time and his direct verbal communication with Amir, I'm going to side with he flipped the bat in the direction of Amir. And to me, we got a problem. So whoever, <laughs> hey, somebody out of that door will chip in on the Some, fine. He's got to wear one. You got to wear one. It's like a mob hit. Maybe we don't get you, but somebody in your family is going to go. No doubt. Do I have to sit here and be disrespected like that? <laughs> this sounds like Chrissy Take it and Tony. Take it easy. <laughs> Do I got to sit here and listen to that? Oh my. But here's the thing. Like, would Everybody you rather... die in your arms? Well, maybe we can make that happen for you. I got to sit here and listen to this? This is definitely Chris Baltasanti territory. Oh, I'm telling you, if, I, if I'm if i Amir Garrett's teammate, that's the whole conversation all last night is who is getting biased tomorrow. That's awful. Why? Because I think it's between these two dudes. No, it is between those two guys, but Amir may not pitch today. So it's the it's the <laughs> job of whoever's pitching, the starter, whoever's coming out of the bullpen. When you see Baez up there, the first pitch needs to be a fastball as hard as you can Ooh. at his ribs. Not his head, none of his shoulders. So crack, at, so fracture a rib. Yeah, or I got no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, could have right. took out my right guy's eye the last trade, night with his bat. Right before the trade deadline. Let's let, Not our problem. You should have done it. Now you got to deal you with it. You can't say that he almost took your dude's eye out because you didn't see the flip and oh, neither I, have I, I. I know. I know. Yeah. But hey, it, it helped my story a little bit. Yeah. Sorry, Matty, Bias. Matty, we're playing lawyer. Uh, depraved indifference. Intent <laughs> follows the bat.
<laughs> All right, we'll come back with Bulletin next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Iceman, Buckeye Bulletin, what do you have for me on seven banks? Hey, you know, this time of year, man, where football is starting to, you know, sprinkle its way into the atmosphere, that means in our neck of the woods, there's probably going to be a few Buckeyes on some award watch lists. And I've got cornerback Seven Banks mm-hmm. named to the Jim Thorpe award watch list. So we'll see. Like, this is one of, the, I think, the key guys to this year's team success. If we're going to be having conversations about them, you know, not only getting to mm-hmm. the college football playoff, but being a legit candidate to get it all done, I think this guy can really catapult the squad into that type of conversation with the bounce back year that I think he can have because look we know last year wasn't great for the entire secondary we know all about that but this year we know he's got all that experience we know he's got the talent and he's probably going to be tagged with being the number one corner shutting down the number one playmaker for the opposing team so he's on this award watch list talented dude I just want to see it from top to bottom this season yeah he's the front runner you're right about that and he was he was injured this spring right he's been sidelined right he was and he wasn't out there in, in the spring. But no, you're right. No, He's right. the number one corner. He started all the games last year. Um, Cam Brown was coming back from the torn Achilles. And so it, it, he's going to have to be a leader back there. I agree. That's a good call on your part. It's such a vital thing for them this year. It's such a big thing because I, I feel like what they're going to have up front is going to be a pretty solid defensive line, and especially now with Haskell Garrett coming back, and we'll see what leap Zach Harrison's going to make and some of the other guys in that defensive line group. If those guys are going to crank out a consistent pass rush, that's only going to help Seven Banks in that secondary even more. So I've got some other guys on some watch lists here for the Outland and the Gursky mm-hmm. Trophy watch list. you got Thayer Mumford. Nicholas Petit Ferrer. They're on that Outland Trophy watch list. And then Seven Banks and Zach Harrison make the Nagurski Trophy watch list. And Haskell Garrett makes both of them. So that guy, that's the guy I can't wait mm-hmm. to see this year. Because with Tommy Togiai balling out the way he did and both Haskell Garrett, now that he is going to be kind of the focal point for defensive coordinators and defenses to lock in to slow that guy down based off of what he put on film a year ago, how does he handle those different looks without a Tommy Togiai and maybe the other guys around him can help. But, man, that dude was a monster for a large part of the season a year ago. And if he duplicates that, I have to imagine there's going to be some really good draft bugs around his name when we get to that portion of the season. But that dude, man, in the middle of that mm-hmm. defensive line and shifting him around possibly in certain down to distances, it's going to be such a big deal for this de- defense. It will be. You have uh, Cage and Jackson and, and Garrett there, and and certainly he's their, their top three tech guy. I, I'm glad you mentioned Mumford and Petit Ferrer because they're they're locked in. I mean, those those guys are, those yeah, are the returning starters. At at the uh, the tackle positions, and so here we go. And so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. These watch lists, you expect Ohio State yep. to be on them. Yep. And, you know, Harrison, you mentioned, Ryan Day's been all over him mm-hmm. as far as leadership yep. and improvement. And 
you never call anyone a lock, but man, he is he is a favorite to be right there. Yeah, and and to help them tremendously. He's got it all. He's got everything you could yeah. want as far as how you want a defensive end to look. And now that he's been in the program for a couple seasons now, learning under Larry Johnson, who is a heck of a defensive line coach, as we all know. Now you just we just want to see it all come together. And I think what we what I mean by that is just the production. Doesn't have to be a ton of sack numbers. Of course we want that, but when we when we're watching these games this fall is hey, when it's third down, is Zach Harrison getting home? Double team, single coverage doesn't matter. Like I think he has that in him and I can't wait to see that unfold this year. Uh former Buckeye John Simon joins the Titans. Yeah. After 3 years with the Pats. So he was a free agent and he's been a free agent since March, and he had three seasons there. But he gets a nice four million plus, or he got a four million plus extension with them. And I haven't seen any of the real particulars on this deal yet. Have you? No, he, I, I haven't either. Yeah. But uh, he reunites with Raves. There you go. So, and yeah. Raves knows what he's going to get out of John Simon the same way Bill Belichick knew for years what you're going to get out of John Simon. That's a consistent yeah. guy that can do some things on the defensive line, You know, hold up against the run, maybe help you out in special teams, maybe if you need that. So I think this is a veteran guy stepping into a locker room um, that, look, man, a defense that was bad last year. Tennessee's defense was not good at all, so he's going to have an opportunity to produce and i think if you're a head coach you bring this dude in to you know keep things in the locker room the way you want it i think it's a win-win that's nice i'm happy for him can be a very quality dude quality pass rusher all right that is today's buckeye bulletin uh my friends over jermaine hon of dublin are ready to see you they're ready to earn your business they just got 20 new rides dropped on their lot You've heard me talk about my friends over there, Marcello and his team and new Marvin's team over there in Prion, and they are unlike other dealers. Their service department is unmatched. Uh, Same-day service, no appointment necessary. I've mentioned over 300 Prion rides, a lot of them certified. Um, I've been introduced and reintroduced to the Honda brand, and I absolutely love it. So go let them earn your business. They're ready to do it, and a lot of places don't have the rides. They're getting the rides. And so they'll have the inventory for you to choose from. I mentioned some of them earlier, but if you go on JermaineHondaOfDublin.com right now and click on New, you will see some of the beauties that I talked about earlier, whether it's... uh, And you don't see these passports that much, and I love them. The EXL passport, they've got uh, the Platinum White Pearl. They've got one in the Steel Metallic. They've got another. They've got a Pilot in Steel Metallic. They've got a Passport EXL in Deep Scarlet Pearl, which is great, obviously, for our town. So go check them out, JermaineHondaOfDublin.com. You will be happy you did. We'll come back. Sports Center update, top of the hour. And Maddie and I get into a deep dive situation. Cincinnati trying to bubble wrap Burrow for the time being. We'll tell you what we mean next. Rothman and Ice in the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U Drive. All right, welcome back in third hour, flying by. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, CB, steering the ship today. Aaron Rodgers reports to Packers training camp today. Well, there goes all that talk we had, all that suspense. I really was hoping it would last. Of course you were. You're a Vikings fan. I know, but there was part of me just, this is good for the NFL. Him playing this year is good for the NFL. You want the best players there. He's clearly one of them, and they're a contender. And most teams would be a contender with him, and that was the intrigue. And that's why we talked about it so much. So he wanted out. 
Wasn't happy with the direction. He's got you know a handful of really good years left. He got sick of, of of being treated, I guess, like an ordinary player. I think they just got crazy complacent. I mean, you were going to self sabotage your own team with Aaron Rodgers. Like you'd have to be insane to do that. And I think that's what he was basically calling them out for. You are insane the way you're running this football team. I am single handedly making sure we get to championship games. And you're not going all in with my talent. Mm-hmm. So they had. I've been saying it for a while. They had one foot in the present, one foot in the future. And in his mind, they're like, why would you have both feet into the present? I'm one of the greatest that's ever suited up in this league. And I need some help. I can't do it all by myself. They didn't play great down the stretch. And I've made the case that he should have taken off on that third down and didn't. And then they took the ball out of his hands and played really conservative, and you know the rest of the story. Tommy. Yeah, but the concession here, and I know you and I disagree on this a little bit, but I think we're getting to the same result. There was no perfection in, there was never going to be a true win-win because Aaron Rodgers thought was hell-bent on getting out of there. And now the fact that he had to walk back in there, Mm. to me, Packers win this. They win it. I'm not saying they blow them out on the scoreboard. It's not an overwhelming win. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to play football for the Green Bay Packers this year, not take retirement, not take the opt-out, mm-hmm. and not leverage them into trading him, tells me that, that the Packers won. On the flip side, apparently, and we'll get Shefty on this tomorrow because we'll have even more details, that they will trade him after this season if he wants to be traded. That there will be some sort of language in there that they'll trade him. But then I would ask, have to ask you, Yeah. well, why would I trade him if the deal isn't what I want? I don't have to trade him. I could go through this again next year. But if they're putting incentive, some type of roster inflation in their roster bonus that makes it so crazy that we would never pay it, mm-hmm. then we'll have to trade him. And that's what I think they're probably headed toward. And I think that's probably the best option. For the organization as a whole, because you don't want to get to the end of the road next year with this new, you know, format of the contract and get nothing for him. So I think a trade has to happen at the end of this year, unless a small percentage thing happens in my mind is that, and that's him saying, all right, I'll run it back with you guys. This is where I want to be. Who knows what will get him to that point? Maybe it's team success. Maybe it's Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekind, one of those guys being gone. Who knows? And that's part of, to me, the issue with this story still is the questions that I just laid out is that this situation is solved for now. I think both sides can look at this as a, a bit of a win for the current situation, but the long-term view right now for Green Bay, there's going to be more questions than answers. And when you get to the trade stuff, I was looking at some potential options maybe at the end of the year. And I couldn't wait to run these by you to see what you thought. And we've talked about the Raiders and the Broncos enough because that's been what's reported. So I wanted to see if I could find maybe some other teams that would intrigue you if you were running the show with Green Bay. I got one that's jumping out to me. Go Who ahead. you got? No, because we, we may be thinking of the same team. The Pittsburgh Steelers. 100%. That's what I went down. I went down this path last night of looking at, we, yeah. looking at other teams and what first-round picks they have to offer in the future and, and all of those things. And I thought of the conversation that we like to mm-hmm. have is, do you want to trade them within the NFC? No. Maybe, maybe not. 
But that team, I did come across the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's so funny that you said that. And if you're Pittsburgh, and this is probably it for Big Ben, you have a young core of offensive playmakers that are probably going to be legit. We know a couple of them mm-hmm. are already with their receivers. I think I feel good in saying Najee Harris is going to be a dude as long as that offensive line gives him some type of space to create. Why not give up your 2022-2023 first-round pick and go from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another? Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. could probably look at that, and it could be very appealing for him to leave Green Bay, go to the other side of the NFL and the AFC, you got a young defense with really good playmakers and a, and a potential defensive player of the year candidate every year in TJ Watt. And you've got Claypool and Deontay and Najee and Ebron and Pat Fryermuth. And we'll see what he does as a rookie. But I love that you brought that up. And it's crazy that you went there because that was one of the few teams I was running through last night and what their futures look like. It, it would, it almost made more sense this time around if the Packers would have picked up the darn phone. Like it, phone, it, would have, it would have made more sense that they would have been a candidate for him. Yeah. Because in this situation, you look at, at Roethlisberger, and even Steeler fan would admit you're you're not winning the Super Bowl this year. I wouldn't like things would have to go pretty crazy for them to win it all. Especially it crawling that, out of the north. It doesn't mean right. that they can't, you know make be a tough out that yeah. that that I'm into especially with that defense no but if if Aaron Rodgers is if the Packers are set to take this 40 million dollar cap hit that's that's better than what even Roethlisberger's I think he's 40 plus 41 which would mean the Steelers could make a decision they could have to release or trade him like to me moving on from him was a very difficult decision for the Steelers and this may actually time out better yeah, that Ben gets his swan song season. He gets to go out like the Hall of Famer that he is. Yeah, if he can play up to a certain level. But yeah, the, that you and I had not talked about this. It's crazy, and and I don't know whether it's the brand of the Steelers that just when you have like you said the Hall of Famer to the Hall of mm-hmm. Famer, um, that one seems fairly big to me yeah i the files of steelers fan that's the dream scenario money to to work with that's it they got it they can make it happen another team cap space is amazing by the way i just looked up over the cap just to see because i don't want to talk if this could never happen um right now the steelers at over the cap if i'm looking at this correctly have one of the most effective cap spaces next year with over 71 million they're not paying anybody really this money is ideal and it couldn't come at a better time because if you want to if you want to trade for a for a veteran like that, Rodgers is the guy. No question. Now he's going to want wow. a new deal, but with that cap space, that's not going to be saying. a major issue. Now, now they can do it, and that's what I'm saying. So another team, oh, CB just put his hood up, man. You know what that means? Well, he's a Browns fan. Look, no, he just put his hood up. That means he's hiding. <laughs> That means he's going into his cocoon. You know what that means? Like every, you know that this Homer Simpson into the hedges. Yes, like that's yes. what CB just did. <laughs> Another team, I think that would be appealing for Rodgers, but it's in the NFC, so you may not like this. But what about the Washington Bikes. Football Team and where they are right now? Because they have a very young team. What they can sell to Aaron Rodgers is we're going to have one of the best young defenses for a nice amount of time here with all the dudes we drafted in the first round who we're not really paying much. Jonathan Allen just got a bag yesterday, but on offense, 
you got Terry McLaurin, you got Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson, and you got a division that, hey, yeah, you got Dak and company, but outside of that, Aaron Rodgers steps into the NFC East next year with the Was- with what yeah. Washington's going to have available. I think that's another team that should be very interested in coughing up future assets for Aaron Rodgers, and I think also it could benefit them financially because you look around their roster, and it's all young guys similar to Pittsburgh who are playing at a high level mm-hmm. but aren't getting paid a ton of money. So I think it's, they're not going to probably run it back with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that was one team in the NFC, too, that I thought could be very appealing um, on both sides of it. Now, do the Packers want to trade within the conference? That's Didn't the Ron, major hurdle. Yeah. Didn't Ron Rivera go to Cal? I don't know. Did he? Is it Cal Bear? Boy, I, I have that in my mind. Boy, that Maybe you, you may know. have just tapped into something that I wasn't even thinking about. Now, I was thinking about who, you know, the coach player sure. relationship. There may be something there. Um, that he did. She's a cow guy. How about that? Cal there you Bears. go. And so they strong defense. No real doubt. Strong. No doubt. The weapons on offense you already mentioned. They've got enough calorie uh, space to to bring on a veteran player. And boy, would they they would they would be. Oh, I mean, they're a contender with what Fitz Magic. I is that who's starting for them? Yeah. Like yeah. when we make our, I picks, mean, in that division, a contender in the division. When we make our picks, that's going to be a tough call for me. Because, you know, I've been liking where Washington. Washington's been cooking up for months now. And now you're starting to see some buzz out there from some of the national guys. And I've been on this Boy, team. See, but and, Ron, Riverboat Ron doesn't want, I don't know, would he go for a for a veteran? I guess if it's Rodgers, he'd go for it. Riverboat Ron's been in the Super Bowl as a coach and night. lost. He yeah. wants to get back. And then yeah. the other team that I cooked up last night is one we've talked about with the Deshaun Watson stuff, but I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It's Miami. Because they have the assets with all the yeah. first-round picks that they've accumulated over the last couple of years True. with all the trades that they've yeah. made to really go get it. Because yeah. they can't wait on Tua. Yeah. Ron's been to the Super Bowl as a player, though, and won. As a player, correct. Yeah. As a coach, not yeah. yet. But Miami as well. In the AFC, if Tua doesn't get it done, if you know Brian Flores and, and you're Chris Greer, their GM, and you know, hey... Tua's not our guy. At the end of the year, we have to move on. We have a team that's ready-made. We got Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. We got Jalen Waddle. Their defense was solid. They won 10 games last year with all the up and down with Tua and Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm Miami, with all the stuff mm-hmm. happening with Deshaun, if that stuff is not cleared up at the end of this year and we know Tua's not yeah. our dude, don't keep those assets. For what? You got a winning team. Go get it. So which one of those do you like the most? And is there another team mm. that you'd want? Th- so Pittsburgh... Miami, Washington think, is what I locked yeah. in on last night. Boy, off the top of my head, you've you've nailed three of them. I mean, I think we were both in agreement on Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, that'd be great um, for them. Great for them. Miami's getting back into this deal. They're they're in a play. They're they're in a playoff chase. Yeah, I, I like them with Rodgers there. I think you start getting into: Are they as good as Buffalo? Can they beat Kansas City? Like that, then you start, and mm-hmm. I would, so the answer to that is yes, with him. And I think you sell him on all the football stuff, Miami. Yeah. You said they had Fuller now. They got Fuller. Yeah. They drafted Jalen Waddle, Mike Gasicki, Devontae Parker, Gasicki, Gasicki, Waddle. Uh, yeah, they got yeah. a young corp. Now, Miles Gaskin, I don't know how people feel about him as you're being your number mm-hmm. one running back. I think they brought in Malcolm Brown this offseason as well. But well, that could him ch- pulling the trigger. And that could you change. You don't need the... It, correct. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. He's not worried about stepping in the AFC East with what at the time, what, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, now Josh Allen's a problem. He is, he is a problem. Timing but, of it would be really, really good. 
because, like you said, they're going to find out everything they want to know about Tua this year. And they have the assets to call Green Bay. Not that he's Rodgers or ever will be. Right. But if he shows a lot of signs of improvement, they may not want to go off of him unless they can dish him. But I would need to see massive improvement. I need like a Justin Herbert mm-hmm. rookie year from Tua. Yeah. To, to say no to I Aaron Rodgers. That. That's yeah. all. So it's fascinating. They've got draft capital, too. Yeah. They're in a pretty good position. No doubt. They um, they could definitely do it. Boy, yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, man. I like those. No state um, tax. That'll no. work for Rodgers, you know? Jeez. <laughs> I don't think he's hurting for anything, but right. yes, yeah, that's true. that's fantastic. Very true. All right, we'll come back with Truth, Rothman and Ice on The Fan. You'd think that during a three-hour radio show, Man and Bone would say something intelligent. You'd be wrong. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, guys. want to tell you about my friends over at Low T Center because we want... To help you make your health a priority like I have, get the quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center. One-stop shopping. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness, and they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country now. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit. None of that going through that baloney about trying to get an appointment and then waiting there for an hour and then spending half your day in the waiting room. Easy. Get all your levels checked. That way you get a baseline. It's not just about your testosterone levels. Of course, they will do that, but it starts with the annual wellness exam. So you get a comprehensive health assessment. You're getting all the numbers important to your health, cholesterol, PSA, everything you need to get a baseline so you can start getting on the right road. It is so important. It's above everything else that you can do for yourself. So there's no reason to live tired and grumpy and weight gain and losing muscle mass. Of course, we're all going to get older. Things are going to happen, but... It could be signs of low T, it could be low thyroid, it could be sleep apnea, it could be something else. And low T center is going to determine the cause and help you. And if you need the help, they offer the monitored self-injected home testosterone treatments. Start feeling better. It's, it's, it, it's important mentally, physically, of course. And it's covered by most health insurance. So that should get you going right away. Book your annual wellness exam today. LowTCenter.com. Check them out. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Truth. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. CB? All right. So with the uncertainty surrounding Aaron Rodgers, it mm-hmm. seems like Devontae Adams was starting to slide down your fantasy boards. But now that mm. he's back in the fold, how early would you take Adams in your draft? How wow. early would I take him? Boy, I'll tell you, the targets and the catches and the high floor every week, it's such a great feeling to have him. I know. I, I can't get away from running backs, so and I have to think to myself, how many running backs would I take before him? And so I'm probably thinking possibly five or six. Is the earliest I would take him, I could probably get talked into taking him around seven. That'd be the highest. Why is that? Why are you laughing? Because that's the pick I have in my draft, so I'm oh. trying to figure that out. That's, that's great. I, I could get talked into that high. I mean, if you could get You're him You're basically at, deciding between a, you yeah. do want to go with the best pass catcher in Adams, or do you want to go someone like Ezekiel Elliott or a Nick Chubb in that range? Let me give you the targets on Devontae Adams last year. Yeah, yeah. hit me with those numbers, because that um, may sway yeah, yeah, he only got 149 <laughs> targets last year. Uh, I like that. And he caught 115 yeah. of them. Mm, that sounds fun. And he got 18 touchdowns. Oh my goodness! 18. I'm telling you, here's the here's he the good 18 stuff. Eighteen times last year, 
Am I wrong? No, 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 I'm not doubting you. Yeah. I'm just the numbers when I, I hear I them again. That that's crazy. I don't mean I don't think he'll get to that number this year. I take the under on that. Wow. But here's here's how historically good he is. Yeah. Um, he, in fantasy, he has scored less than eleven points four times, and once was when he had when he was uh, leaving with an injury. But it says here that I mean, as far as a WR one goes. He is amazing. Yeah, Twenty-two is. of his last forty-one games, fifty-four percent. He's 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 performed as a WR one. So you're probably looking at even more catches. Not sure about touchdowns. You might be looking at a fifteen hundred yard, one hundred and twenty catch season out of him. Mm. Sounds like a good so time. Seven is my number. I'm not mad at that. I'll slot in right there with you because I was working through it as you were. Talking there, yeah. Once you get past the big boy running backs, and you know, do you go count them out? Yeah, I mean, CMC, Dalvin, Derek, Saquon, Alvin, Zeke. There you go. Bam. So, and then, that's why I can talk right into that decision. Right. And then you, do we have the conversation of, dude, you rather have Travis Kelsey or Devontae Adams over some of the other running backs? And I think you'll get similar yeah. production, which is crazy. But yeah, to answer the question, I'd be good once we get past the big dog running backs with rolling with Devontae. Can't handle the truth. All right, let's go into a fantasy land. You are put in charge as the commissioner of the Big Ten. Mm. You have to add two schools out there. Who are you choosing? All right, so for me, I, I want the best of both worlds. If I'm plucking from the Big 12 scraps, <laughs> I want a football squad and a baseball, excuse me, basketball squad. So give me Kansas and give me Iowa State. If I'm oh, plucking so you're from going, the Big 12. Oh, so you're checking one in each. That's what I'm saying. I okay. want a strong, what I think is going to be a strong football mm. program if Matt Campbell hangs around Iowa State. Mm. And Kansas, the brand that is Kansas. I know there's been some dark clouds hanging oh. over their basketball program. <sighs> but give me Kansas and Iowa State. I think I get the best of both worlds there from the Big 12. Unfortunately, basketball just is not leading this conversation. Yeah. you want to. I mean, I, I get what you're saying that... It'd be good for them to be there hoops wise, but with the anchor that they are as football, it we got Rutgers in the conference. Yeah. No, I know, but that doesn't mean you want to add more Drek. But well, Rutgers is getting a lot better though. I don't, I don't this, want to trust Kansas to do the same. But how about this? Yeah. We've been touting the basketball conference, the Big Ten is one of the best in the country. So that adds is, a lot of beef, I think, there. Yeah. So I'm just thinking of both no, sides. No, no, I, I understand where you're going, and I'm obviously a big KU guy, but I, I just feel like if you want to check both boxes, try to check both boxes. Get, I think I just maybe, did that. No, but I mean with the same program. Okay. Um, like, So who you in? I would say, and they never listened, I think you'd have to swing for Notre Dame. I, mm. why, I mean, to finally convince them, they won't be, but you could. Um, I think Oklahoma State is... Is is got something going? I think with T Boone Pickens and what they have, and they've had success in both football and basketball. That's what I mean by trying. It's it's not easy, and I don't think they are a lesser Oklahoma mm. in your mind, but that would be pretty competitive in both sports if you could get Oak State. Now Iowa State, that rivalry with Iowa, you'd love it in the conference. Yeah, I late. think that'd be really neat. Be jumping, you say yeah. until maybe they fall off. If Matt, I mean Matt Campbell wouldn't be there, but I. I uh, I would like Iowa State, Notre Dame, Oak State. You um, only get two, big doll. Who you want? Notre Dame and Oak State. Okay. Did you say I know my truth? 
I know my truth. And really quick, our daily fan poll sponsored by Riker Kia's Following the loss to France in the Olympic opener, do you think the Team USA men's team will win gold in men's basketball? When that clock was running the triple zeros, you were the first person I thought about. And you know why? Because your boy was out there. Rudy freaking Gobert. Darn right he was. <laughs> and I was like, I know. I get a fist pump from CB. Get out of here. This is not Amazing. a Rudy Gobert show. You guys are not going to do I'm this to lick me. your microphone for you. But <laughs> to answer the question, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because... I don't know what's going on with these dudes. I We all know the talent's there. It just ain't clicking. So I still think they're going to get it done. But, man, I am starting to fade away like Spider-Man in the Avengers right now. I am not feeling good. Like we talked about, it's not like they're facing a field of unbelievable teams. So, um, But I am at a concern level now. Yeah. It doesn't seem flukish anymore. No. It doesn't seem like, okay, we just flipped the switch. Yeah, right. That's why I would say that... There's cause for concern. And the truth shall set you free. All right, we get back to college football with our friend Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus. Try to zero in on the true contenders this year and a lot more. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year. Given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The fan. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Inching closer to fall camp, college football. Our friend Anthony Tresh joining us now from Pro Football Focus. He talks a lot of college ball, and he's going to do it with us now. He's the senior college analyst at PFF. He's on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Anth, good to have you back. Yeah, thank you guys for having me back on. Of the teams at the top, like the usual suspects that all are replacing quarterbacks, um, whether it's Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe that's probably just the, the big three. Do you have a feel on which team is going to be affected the most or which team you'd have more concern about replacing the magic that they had with the guys they lost, whether it was you know Fields, Mac Jones, or Lawrence? Yeah, I mean that's the million dollar question. I, I think they're all in I think they're all three in much more difficult spots than a lot of people think they're in, even though they all have promising candidates, uh, you know, up and coming. I mean CJ Stroud, Price Young, they both have the recruiting pedigree. We did see a little bit of Juji, DJ Uyangalele. He impressed in those two spot starts he had these this past season against Notre Dame and Boston College when Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID, but still it, the inexperience with those three and expecting him to come in and you know, replace the past starters that were producing at extremely high levels, some of the highest levels that we've really ever seen in the PFF college era. I mean, I I don't think all three are going to come in and produce at that level. I mean, so one of them is going to have to falter. Um, it's just all about who. And, and at this point, you know, I would even throw Georgia and JT Daniels even in there, even though that situation is kind of entirely different. JT Daniels has, you know, a wealth of experience. Um, but he just really has never showcased consistent high-level play in his collegiate career, really when he has one quality level start to his name and that was in his debut against Mississippi State and I think a lot of people are kind of over overweighting that one as well so and I, I think that's what's also going to be the beautiful part about this upcoming college football season I think there's so much more unknown you know with you know w- what the final four is going to end up being at the at season's end because of the inexperience at quarterback across the board um, and so I, I think you know out of the four I'm most confident in DJ Uyangalele and the Clemson Tigers, but it's really hard telling. 
you know, looking at the Big Ten, you know, here where we do the show, we expect big things from Ohio State. As you look around the conference, who do you think is going to be the most complete team outside of Ohio State this upcoming year in the Big Ten? Yeah, and I think that's a good part about, you know, the situation in Ohio State then because, you know, they have, you know, introducing a new starting quarterback, really talented roster across the board, one of the most talented ones, taking the quarterback out of the equation in college football. And then you look at the rest of the Big Ten, and, uh, and there's really no team that can go toe-to-toe with them. I, I think the second most talented team is probably Indiana, but they even have their concerns as well. I mean, Michael Penix Jr., if you could guarantee he's going to stay healthy and that he also has – you know, consistent clean pockets because that guy was under pressure at an extraordinarily high rate last year. Um, you know, I, I think that could maybe make an interesting matchup again, but it also helps Ohio State that they're coming off a bye when they play Indiana this upcoming fall. So, you know, I, there's no really most complete team that I'm confident in really going toe-to-toe with Ohio State this upcoming season in the Big Ten. That's why I think ultimately they're going to end up being one of the Final Four teams just because I think they have a favorable schedule ahead of them and I think they have the capability of beating anybody, even if they have a kind of shaky day from, you know, CJ Stroud at quarterback. So yeah, I, I think, you know, Indiana, Wisconsin, um, talented teams, Iowa, you know, taking the quarterback out of the equation, they have a good roster as well. The offensive line and secondary is among the best in the conference. But I, I don't really think there is a team that really comes remotely close to going toe-to-toe with Ohio State, you know, including or not including quarterback. You know, there's so much excitement around DJ Uyunglele right now, and especially after we saw him go out and produce at a pretty high high level in that game against Notre Dame a year ago. But surrounding the young quarterback for Clemson and Dabo, what do you think their offensive playmakers are going to bring to the table this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to watch this Clemson team, not only, you know, welcoming in DJ Uyunglele as a weekly starter, um, I mean, that guy's got an absolute rocket for an arm. I mean, he, I really do think he's eventually going to be a star. But, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's just all about are they going to get Trevor Lawrence-esque type play on a weekly basis? Um, but I think the return of wide receivers Justin Ross as well as Joe Ngata, who, you know, these two guys, Justin Ross didn't play down last year, of course, because of this final issue that he was fortunately able to make a recovery from. Um, almost had his career in jeopardy there for a little bit. And then Joe Ngata, too, another promising breakout candidate from last season who – you know, had injuries on a weekly basis, kind of derailed his entire year. Both are fully healthy, ready to come back. So I think that's going to help out DJ a lot. And there's also a wealth of other playmakers as well. Um, I, I think the biggest question mark really, you know, with that team is kind of, you know, replacing Travis Etienne. And, you know, with PFF, a lot of people think, oh, you know, they don't think running backs are valuable. They don't matter. Well, I mean, that may be true for the NFL level, but in college football, it's a little bit different. Travis Etienne was a really valuable player for that offense. Running backs do matter and are valuable playmakers in college football just because of the talent disparity of the positions. Um, and I think that's going to you know, cause a significant drop-off in their ground game because over the last three years, no Power 5 offense has had a more efficient rushing attack than Clemson. And it really hasn't been particularly close. So I think that's a little bit of an area to watch. Um, and so I think I'm a little bit more concerned with the ground game as opposed to the passing offense, because I do, I, I am pretty confident in DJ and Justin Ross and Joe and Gata really stepping up and fielding an efficient group, um, especially with the defense they have too. I mean, I think this is a really well-rounded team. Um, but you know, I, that's not to say I think that it is going to make things interesting. And going back to what I was saying earlier, um, you know, I I don't think that they can. You know, I, I'm not as confident in this team. I, I am confident in this team, but I'm not as confident as I am with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. It's just because if DJ has a poor day, 
Um, you know, you never know what can happen on any given week. We are talking with Anthony Trash, senior college analyst at Pro Football Focus. An early season matchup when the Ducks come to the shoe here. Uh, they may have had a little QB controversy, but they had their dude transfer to Texas Tech. And um, what do you think of the Ducks? We know they have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, potential number one pick in a, in a 2022 NFL draft. Uh, beyond that, I think they may ha- may have something going a little bit defensively, which uh, may surprise some people. Is this Oregon team a true top 10 team in your mind on paper? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, like you're saying, I, I do like the defense a lot. You know, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau, that guy's a freak of nature. If you're, you know, to craft a perfect edge defender in college football right now, he would have the makings of pretty much every single trait, calling to be, be the number one guy. He's that kind of, you know, rare of a, of a prospect. We just I need to see him kind of do it on a consistent basis. But I do think, you know, he's going to get more opportunities to rush the passer one-on-one. I think that'll kind of showcase the type of player he is and the elite player he is this upcoming season. Michael Wright, too, the cornerback. I mean, that guy is a very well-sound uh, press man corner. Um, you also have a, a couple of rising off-ball linebackers as well. Um, Penny Sewell's little brother, Noah Sewell, he's going to be a stud. Um, you know, the pieces are there on defense to be a possible top-ten team, um, but the offensive side of the ball, it, it is just sorely lacking. I'm not too confident in Anthony Brown, the former Boston College quarterback, stepping in as the starter and effectively leading an efficient passing offense. He failed to do that at Boston College. And, you know, the, really the accuracy was the biggest, you know, question mark that we saw from him. So I'm not as confident in that offense. And so that's why I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to that game just because of Kayvon Thibodeau against Ohio State's tackle duo at their month and Nicholas Pierre for here. Um, but I think that's really going to be the only interesting one. I don't think it's going to be, you know, as big of a, you know, test for Ohio State. Um, you know, and that will, I mean, it could be at the end of the day, just because of the unknown of the quarterback situation that I was alluding to earlier. But I, I think there's just too many, there's more question marks with Oregon's offense than there is with Ohio State. Really good stuff. Nice little primer for the season with our friend Anthony Trash from PFF. Thanks for jumping on. We will talk to you again soon. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good thanks. stuff. Real quick, man, like whether it's CJ Stroud or. Any one of these quarterbacks, you better be ready to go in the first two mm-hmm. weeks. Like these, these mm-hmm. next couple months for whatever quarterback is going to win the job. Like you got to be sharp right, right out of the gate. Cause we've talked to plenty of people this summer about Oregon and it's been a constant. Is that defense is going to be legit? And like you said, you got a potential number one overall pick coming off the edge to try to take your face off. So that the first two weeks for me, that's big time stuff right there. You know, I've been kind of waving the flag for the Minnesota game, but that Oregon game now that we've heard so much about their defense and a young quarterback having to deal with that, it's going to be a big time test. They have done a really good job recruiting defensively, Mm -hmm. Oregon, lately. And people don't think... You know, it's the days of uh, Marcus Mariota, and it's all offense yeah. and whatever. Like, they've done something to try to offset this. And so Mario Cristobal has done a really good job. Mm-hmm. And they got a new defensive coordinator, and yeah, things look uh, – this may be one of the best units they've had. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. That defense is going to be for real. You just look at the schedule for Ohio State. You don't really have the warm-ups oh, that you're used to. you got to be ready to go right no away. cupcakes, Matty. That's what I'm saying. No they cupcakes do. over here. Straight veggies to start the season. We come back, NFL two-minute drill. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. A media legend and a spiky shoulder-padded ex-linebacker. And their dumb producer, Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekday mornings from 9 to noon. The Fan.
time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, Maddie, drill time, but... We got a giveaway. We got a giveaway for our listeners. The winner is going to receive a pair of tickets to the Impractical Jokers Tour at the Shot on December 30th. Question. We had Peter Burns on earlier from the SEC after we got done talking about OU and Texas. I sprinkled in a question about who he likes to come out Mm -hmm. of the SEC this year. 821-9710 is our number. Hit up CB with that answer, and you are going to see the Impractical Jokers on the 30th of December. It's a tough one. I mean, there's only a few teams, you know, a handful of teams you mentioned, but you you weren't listening. Right. And that's what we do here. No doubt. We reward you. We bribe you. (laughs) Uh, Malik Hooker signing with the Cowboys. I like it. This official? I saw Jerry Jones say it's pretty official. <laughs> I think it's official. I, I think that's where we are. I haven't seen numbers right. or money or anything yet, but it is being reported that he is Let's officially a member here. of the Dallas Cowboys. And it's been a complete new chapter for them this offseason mm-hmm. with the defensive side of the football and how much draft capital they spent yep. on defense uh, this offseason. This is what happens when you're as talented as Malik Hooker. You can have the injury history yeah. that he's had. But the potential of what he can be is it's very tempting. So I hope that he can just stay clean and healthy, man, because couldn't ask for a better situation as far as being a part of America's team. We'll get to see him, I'm sure, in a little sliver of hard knocks. He'll pop up every once in a while. But the health is it. It's the only thing that's hurt him so far. 15 pick overall by the Colts in 2017. Yep. And he was... I mean, the dude was a picking machine. Mm-hmm. Picking machine. Hatterberg, picking machine. He was all over the place but, that year. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And so that's what the Cowboys need. Mm-hmm. You need a takeaway starved safety team that needs yeah. defense and playmakers. Yep. We know what they have offensively, so you're exactly right. Stay healthy. That's it. And you could really help them. And it also doesn't hurt when you got a couple of your guys in the building. Zeke, Noah Brown, I'm sure those guys went to bat uh, for Malik Hooker. Look, they got a new defensive coordinator coming over in Dan Quinn, so everybody's starting on a new page here for Dallas. So that's it, man. If Malik Hooker can stay healthy, I think he has uh, found himself in a nice situation. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was not placed on the pup list to Mm. start training camp, so good news for the Brownies Mm. that he could be ready to go. Uh, he he participated in the individual drills during the uh, off-season practices, tours ACL last October, and he's the big target share dude. Yeah. At least he was for the first seven games. So I know they're run heavy, but this dude's going to give them that ability to mm-hmm. also not have teams load up. Right, no doubt. That's You're dead on right, brother. You are dead on right, and it gives them an element of explosiveness to their offense. I know Nick Chubb can take it to the house with his physicality and speed, but on the outside, I think they've been needing that. And I know they went out and drafted a young guy in Anthony Schwartz who is who has that skill set. But I don't know if you want to rely too much on a rookie right now with the situation that they're in as a team and win now mode. But yeah, Odell fully healthy is obviously great news. And look, I love what he was saying AR about, you know, he knows the goal for this team, and that is to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. And he said, hey, it hurt him watching them go mm-hmm. out to Kansas City and not be able to get it done because he feels like he was out there. Maybe he could have helped get them over the top. 
You guys will like this story. Bears head coach Matt Nagy said he's, quote, really impressed by rookie Justin Fields. Uh, you think? That boy good. That's why. Not impressed enough to say that there's a competition. <laughs> he might be pulling the, the best little dip and twirl that ever happened. Uh, and maybe Dalton's in on the joke. Oh, my goodness. Which would not be good for him. But if he's in on it, I guess it'd be okay. At least they'd be up front. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. If he starts even hinting. And there is a potential battle for week one? I don't think there is, but... There should be. Of course there should be, but you can't retrace your steps on the definitive... I mean, (laughs) I guess you can. I mean... You can, but it ain't going to look great, because what do you drop on and say, there's nothing he can do? (laughs) Nothing he can do to win the job? uh, Jeff Dickerson reports, Nagy said Fields has clearly done his homework in the lead-up to training camp. You mean he's doing his job? (laughs) That's good. That's nice to see when you get paid and you do oh, the job. Man. I love that when people talk about, like, this analyst is so good, man. He knows all the teams and the names. You think? Yeah, well, you know how I feel about that. It's his you, job well, hey, you to turn, know the players. I don't know if that's necessarily true in the world. I agree yeah. with you, but you could turn on the TV and listen to some of these dudes. And, huh? Huh? You get paid that much to say that? That is today's NFL two-minute drill. Come on, big dog. Who knew that Georgia was Peter Burns' team, CB? You have Jason Hilliard. Okay, Jason Hilliard knew. Shout out to Jason. Georgia. Uh, by the way, here's the comeback story of the year so yeah. far. Ben Affleck and J-Lo perfectly aligned in step with one another as they continue their romantic Euro getaway to celebrate her birthday. And we mean that literally. Mm. Uh, they've obtained footage here at TMZ of the couple strolling through the quaint alleyways of Whoa. Capri when they seem to have landed after a pit stop at some other places, hand in hand. Yeah. Um, Benifer went about their business, mm. taking in the sights. Nice and leisurely. See, I don't know they how... They are back. I don't know how I feel about Jenny from the block right now. Why? She just got out of her relationship and she's but already bouncing back? Is, yeah, but it's not, it's not a new recruit. Yeah, this but is an I'm, old oldie but a goodie. If I'm A-Rod, I feel some type of way about that. I don't already? know. I saw him slip sliding away wet and wild the other day. Wet and wild yeah, he had with a plenty A-Rod. going on. How many yachts can you ski behind, sir? She dropped some nice pictures, yeah. though. She did Jennifer Lopez? Yes. Oh, you found those, didn't you? I was just about to mention it. It's a real hands-on situation they got over there. That was a dub. That was a dub. We'll come back tomorrow at high noon. Rothman and Knights on the fan.